Welcome to the post-Christmas, pre-New Year's edition of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. Uh, Happy non-Christmas, if you will. Sure. I know for you it was a non-Christmas day, so happy non-Christmas. Thank you. Happy actual Christmas. Whichever, really. It didn't matter. I was on a plane for most of Christmas, so. Well, that's something, I guess. And I was kind of excited that um, something, like, interesting would happen at an airport on Christmas. Not bad. (laughs) But just that, like, I don't know, maybe they would give out little presents when you're on the plane. No, I don't think that's not what happens, right? No, I mean, the pilot said Merry Christmas and had a Santa hat on, which was less comforting than it sounds. I would be offended that he was so denominational. I'd be like, look, sir. You see, there was a time when I would have felt that way. And now I kind of feel like on the specific holidays. Oh, I agree with you. I actually agree with you with that. Yeah. Like, on, you know, when I left, you know, on, um, like when I was leaving work, let's say on Friday night, I didn't want to say Merry Christmas because A, I work with a lot of people who are Jewish and B, it was like, well, you know, it's not, but on Christmas day, if you're smiling at someone, I'm like, it's okay to say Merry Christmas. Dude, I subscribe to the same thinking because on December 15th, I think it's presumptuous for you to say Merry Christmas to me on December 25th. All right, let's do it. Um, So did you watch any uh, Christmas movies? Uh, I don't think I watched any Christmas movies. Wait, hold on. Um, Yes, Night of the Comet was the Christmas movie. I watched. <laughs> it's like I knew there was something I had to I had to see my list. Yeah, that was my Christmas movie. That's an enjoyable one. You've seen it before, right? Yeah, I've seen it before. I actually watched it for um, the other podcast that I occasionally do, movies about girls. Plug away, plug plug. Yes, yes. So we um, we covered that one on one of the last shows. So they, did they pair it with something, or was it just that one? Yeah, just the one movie. Okay. What? Well, why? What would you pair Night of the Comet with? Um. one i feel I know. like there's a fair it, amount of movies you could like earth girls are easy you could pair it like you could go that route where you're kind yeah. of doing like girly genre 80s stuff or you could go with like another like light-hearted apocalyptic thing i don't know like, exactly there's, a, of, there's a it's a it's like a very genre bending kind of movie it, it kind of spans a lot because it is like you've got kind of zombies you've got apocalypse you've got but you also have like cute teenage girls being teenagers so mm. You know, and a terrible like, version of girls just want to have fun. That's yeah, right. I forgot about that. And isn't there a, a clothes trying on montage? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, staple of eighty cinema. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of ways you can go with that one. Uh, I know. So really, it depends on what theme. Oh, exactly. You could do Sorority House Massacre, which also has a girls trying on clothes montage. Mm-hmm. See, yeah. you're a genius. I try. Uh, so what else have you watched? Oh, I watched a lot. <laughs> Do you want me? Do you want me to go through everything, or do you want me to just pick the highlights? You know, I'll go fast. I'll go really fast. I, I wouldn't I'm, go through. It. Do it. I, I, I saw Man on a Ledge, the new, the movie from 2012. Sam Worthlessington. Yeah, Sam. I have a theory um, about him. Have I ever told you my theory? No. Was my it that theory? he's in bad movies? No, 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 not at all. My theory is that he was a young Rosemary's Baby. 
He was, okay. he was a young actor, good looking guy, but nothing special. Um, <laughs> and he was having really bad luck. And one day the devil. He sold us out. <laughs> devil was like, hey, dude, I see you're having a hard time getting into the biz. I, got, I, I, will, I will make you famous and put you in all these blockbuster movies. Just give me your soul when you die. And he was like, yeah, okay, sure. Because hmm. uh, how else do you explain the fact that he... I don't because I'm not. He's not a bad actor, but there oh, is nothing. He's just kind of there. About him. No, there's nothing remarkable yeah. about him. In a whatsoever. way, you can almost understand why someone like James Cameron would want to cast him because it's like, okay, well, I have a thousand other things going on. I don't need my lead to be charismatic, overly charismatic, or to steal the show. The effects are going to steal the show. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, so Avatar, Terminator, which I've never, which I've never seen. Eh, I mean, so I can't speak to Avatar. Eh, eh. Uh, that's my review of it. You, you just sold me completely. I'm gonna go buy a copy right now and like a 3D TV <laughs> to watch it. Right one, yeah. Um, but wait, wait. Oh, Clash of the Titans. Like, it's just, yeah. He's very unremarkable. You know who I feel is unremarkable, just like him. The dude whose name I can't think of that's in John Carter and Battleship. Oh, Taylor something. Taylor. Un- unremarkable guy. I don't. <laughs> and it, it's like weird. Like they, these these faces come along every once in a while. Like these good looking men who can be believable, I guess, in an action scene, or gonna look good when you pair him with somebody, but who just can't carry a movie, but yeah. seem to keep producers are like, yeah, okay, we need we need somebody to be in 90% of this $200 million budgeted movie. Mm-hmm. Let's call that guy that, I don't know, that dude, what's his name, Sam? Like, with the I, face? Yeah, 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 the guy who's, I don't know, whatever, that you know, the, the guy, that guy. And it's weird to me that these are the that they get these movies. I don't get it. I, I don't. There's got to be reasoning behind yeah, it. Selling your soul to the devil is the reason. All right, we we heard it here first, folks. Right. Um, so what did you think of Man on a Hitch? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like it. I thought it was really like predictable, and that's that's the thing. Like the second uh, good, bad, or indifferent, the second I'm bored, I'm yeah, like, all right, well, now I don't like this movie. Mm, I'm on that. <laughs> so no, I didn't like a bad movie. I can't take a boring one. Yeah, I was like, this is pretty boring. Um, Elizabeth Banks is in it. Is that her name? I like her. Yeah, I love her. She was her in it, and I—that's the main reason why I chose to watch it. But um, I don't. There was nothing. Again, nothing remarkable about it, so I wouldn't say go watch it. Hmm. Um, I saw Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. What did you think? I liked it. Yeah. I didn't. Okay, here's the thing. I already had told you I saw Safety Not Guaranteed, which is the oh the the Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Yes. One. Which I, I don't think they're, they're not, oh, they're not a lot alike. To say that they're a lot alike is completely incorrect, but there's si- enough similarities, not just in theme, but in like this kind of like almost, I, not that Seeking a Friend is female driven, but I mean, Kira Knightley is pretty, you know, pretty big part of the plot. Mm. But these female driven, like, like things are at odds, like we're going to the future or the world's ending. Like, mm. had I not seen Safety Not Safety Not Guaranteed, I probably would have liked this more. Interesting, yeah. Because I really like Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, I was talking to Christina on Twitter, Sleepy Chris, about about this movie, Seeking a Friend, and is if I had any issues with it during the actual film, the last five to ten minutes were so perfect that I didn't care. I agree. So good. It had a wonderfully done ending yeah. where I was in the same place where I was like, I got to a point where I liked some of the comedy and then I kind of was drifting away as it got, you know, that sort of like last third. I was like, eh, I'm not crazy about where it's going. 
But then you're right. The last like five, ten minutes are it's just it's a great ending. It, that the yeah. ending of that movie does redeem a lot of the flaws of of it earlier. I would say. Absolutely, I liked it a lot. Oh, and the the, the scene where they're in like the fake TGI Fridays. Oh, that's brilliant. I, I, I did more of that. I was like rolling on the floor laughing, like like. There looked like there was. Some, I was having a seizure. Really, it was just so funny to me. So, it's, so for that, I remember oh. this movie. Like, I usually hate trailer. Well, I, there was a time when I used to love trailers. Now, when I see trailers, especially for comedies or movies that are pseudo comedy, I ninety percent of the time I watch that. And I'm like, this looks terrible because typically a trailer is trying to appeal to a broad audience. Exactly. So if somebody gets hit in the groin. That's what they're going to show in a trailer. And so almost every time I watch a trailer for a, a pseudo-comedy, I'm like, I'm not going to see that. And this movie I had seen advertised, I think, twice. I saw the trailer for it. And I was like, what a good trailer. And I remember thinking, wow, that's like the first time a trailer has actively made me want to see a movie. Mm-hmm. And part of it was I know that they do use a lot of that scene in the trailer because it's fucking funny. It's a really good scene. Yeah. And again, I think the movie, if it could have gone that route and it, I think, would have been also fine it might then have, you know, not had the same effect with the ending. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you could have easily just made a different film if you followed that thread instead or that tone, I guess. Yeah. Which it was, it wasn't out of place or anything. I really no, enjoyed no, no, yeah. it. Yeah, so again, that's a thumbs up from me on that. So we both recommend that one. Um, I watched Identity, which it's not the first time I've seen that oh, movie. I love that. I was just talking I, about that movie. I love it. I, it's on instant watch. I really like it. It's, okay. I mean, it's obviously, I'm not surprised by anything that happens so <laughs> at this point. the first time you saw it? Yeah, I saw it. I feel like I, I feel like I was a child when I saw it. I know I it came out. It came in college and that makes me feel like a child. It came out in 2003. I mean, I guess that's almost 10 years ago. Wow. Oh my God. But, but still, I was like a cinematic child when I saw it. <laughs> so, but I was really like <gasps> the first time. But um, so yeah, John Hawks is in it. That's his name, that's right? I'm so, I'm so bad. His, uh, with <laughs> that guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's one of his. Uh, I remember. Oh God, so good in it. Recognizing him when I watched, um, I think either Deadwood or that um, performance artist movie. Uh, me and you and everyone we know. I remember like that's the dude from Identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Identity. If you have, if people, if you haven't seen it, it's I did, it's worth watching. It, knowing nothing about it, just go into it blind, and it's just it's a really fun. Um, th- it's just a fun like mystery novel. <laughs> it, it's really bizarre. Um, yeah. There, there's if you know what I'm talking about. Past. I don't want to be spoilery, but you know the dryer scene. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> That, that's it's my bloody valentine like yeah. do you think they did that on purpose do you think they were like let's pay homage to all these these kills or do you think it was like it's a good question because it's and it's weird because it's kind of out of place in a way yes it's like completely out of place is, is not it's not really violent like they're like a, like a mystery novel like there are kills and when you kind of like unravel them you're like ew, that had to hurt but like that's just this random mm-hmm. you know limb in a dryer scene. Well, this the dude that wrote it is the is the guy that wrote Jack Frost like the oh, I'm really? a killer snowman I yeah because I was really curious um, yeah. I love the Jack Frost movie uh, Jack Frost too by the way Twice. Revenge of the Mutant Killer Snowman yeah when it's, it's about his snowballs his baby I've never I've never oh, seen it's that because they go to um, on vacation to like the Caribbean and <laughs> his babies follow them and his babies are after them and it's I I mean they're stupid movies obviously. But they're stupid before it was, like, really popular to make, purposely make stupid movies. And Jack Frost 2, I'm telling you, you know, give it a try. 
All right. Fair enough. It's going to snow here this weekend. I wish I owned it because then I could watch um, Jack Frost too. <laughs> is that your Jack yeah, Frost? Yeah, I got distracted because I decided to look up what the guy who did Identity, what else he, he directed. Yeah, and the director, the director, this man has. the director, isn't he doing? Um, the, didn't he do the Wolverine movie, the new Wolverine movie? Uh, he is yes, post production on the Wolverine. The Wolverine man, where um, Wolverine has a katana in the poster. Did um? Oh no, I'm wrong. Okay, I got excited what? about something, but then I was wrong. Well, he, <laughs> he's directed a few things of note. He did um, Three Ten to Yuma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Night and Day, which was the Tom Cruise movie. Kate and Leopold, uh, Girl Interrupted, Copland, which was Sylvester Stallone's big. Fucking great movie. I never saw Sorry. it. Copland's. I need to watch it. And then I got really excited because I saw he directed a movie called Heavy. And I thought, I was thinking in my head, it was Heavyweights. I know. Do you know what's so funny about that? The second you said that, I know what movie that is. I just had a conversation on the Movies About Girls oh, podcast. Nobody knows no. what that movie is. And I was like, it's because you're you're not my age. That's why. My my brother worked in a movie theater. Um, oh, and it's, he also directed Walk the Line, so he was Oscar nominated. Um, my brother worked in a movie theater when that movie came out and said that, like, it was the worst movie theater to clean up. <laughs> because it was like moms would bring their, like, their really chubby sons. And, like, give them all the candy? Yes. That's terrible. That That's like, the movie, for those of you who don't know, heavyweight. No, you should just leave it like that and make them Google it. Go Google it. Directed by James Magnol, by the way. Yeah. Uh, as Christine said, Google it and you'll see why um, this movie it's a good movie, has a very though. particular audience. It's a good movie. Um, I watched a movie. I watched a movie called Love that from 2011 that I can't really even describe what it was about, but but it's on Instant Watch, okay. so you should go watch it. It's billed as like a time travel movie, okay. like a space time travel movie. Okay. But it's I don't know if you saw Bellflower. No, it's on my queue. I've heard okay, wild different things about. It. Made me want to kill a child, <laughs> and I won't take that back. I realize I just okay, saw it on a child. I said it on a podcast. I said it on a podcast, and it's forever in, in, in podcast history, but that movie I did not like. Um, and it was, but that one was billed as, like, a post-apocalyptic film. Okay. Which, so this movie, Love, is a time travel movie, like Bellflower was a post-apocalyptic movie. Okay. So if that, if that makes any sense. Like, it isn't, but I get, I kind of get what they're saying. I really liked it. It was kind of strange. If anybody else has seen it, I'd like to hear what other people thought about it. Um, it was, like, one of those really, like, slow, deliberate, like, kind of abstract. I was just about to be like, well, I'm putting it on my queue, and now you're talking, and now I'm like, oh, no. no. And if you, if, you were, if you didn't like Beyond the Black Rainbow, this might lose you. No, I didn't like Beyond But I, I thought it was interesting, so I'll just throw that out there. I also saw Penelope, um, which, in my quest to see every James McAvoy movie. <laughs> uh, that, this is the one with Christina Ricci, where she has a pig nose. Do you know this movie? Okay, so this movie exists. <laughs> Let's first start there, that they made this movie. It's like a Reese Witherspoon movie. Like, I feel like she produced it or something. Okay. And she's in it. I mean, it's like a fairy tale, and I guess it's kind of cute, but it's not really my, my thing. But, you know, um, again, questing to see every film. I'll also, fun fact, I'm going to London to see James McAvoy and Macbeth. Oh, exciting. So, there you go. <laughs> okay, are we doing Kickstarter for that? No, I'm just gonna... <laughs> I'm just gonna, um, you know, max out a credit card. But I also, I so I, so I watched Night of the Comet, which I just talked about, and we both feel positively about that. Um, I finally saw it in Bruges. Oh, what'd you think? I loved it. I love it. 
everybody's like, oh, it's so much better than Seven Psychopaths. But because I saw them in reverse order, mm-hmm. I, th- I like, Seven Psychopaths kind of, I don't want to use the word zany, but that's the word that's popping to, into my head. Um, it has like a woo, wacky, funny, dark thing. I thought this was going to be closer to that. I mean, in, in Bruges is funny. There's it's like funny, some, but it's it's not by any means zany. It's definitely not as you know comedic in tone as Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. So I think I would benefit from rewatching this, knowing what a what little bit more. Yeah, I but love I, in Bruges. I think I gave it like a seven point five or an eight or something mm-hmm. when I rated it. I loved it a lot. Uh, Colin Farrell was just I amazing. Like probably be like an eight point. That's the movie that I think turned a lot of people around on Colin Farrell. Oh, I thought he's oh, so this, good. This guy can act. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I rewatched Death Proof, which I love, and we don't have to talk about it. Um, I watched Alien 3 for the first time. Oh, I still haven't watched it. It's a movie. I, I don't think I've ever, no, yeah, no, I've never actually sat down and watched it. <laughs> um, Charles S. Dutton is in it, and if you say Charles S. Dutton is in anything, I'll be, like, sold. And if you um, say Charles S. Dutton is in anything, I'll be like, is he the white one or the black one? He's <laughs> the black one. He's rock. He's rock, he's, I know. He's, he's rock. I know that, and I have this really... You you know you want you figure out who I confuse him with right? No, who? Charles Durning. Oh my gosh! How are you? The late Charles Durning. Um, <laughs> obviously, the two men do not look much alike. Although they're both like heavies, and I mean that like both physically and actorally, they both like you know often take on similar roles, but mm-hmm. one being white, one being black. Uh, and there, I know their names. Are, there's no reason for me to confuse the two. Oh, that's okay. But I have a mental block, and now I have a really. Um, it's in poor taste, but I have a, a great mnemonic device to remember this by. Oh no! Do you really want to share this with, to the, with the masses? It's. I mean, it's. Here's the thing: you have to understand. I have. I. I like both men immensely. I think both are incredible actors. I've. I mean, I've. I. They're both great. Yes. But now I, I can remember <laughs> that Charles Durning is is white, um, or I can remember which one he is—that he is the white one—because Ch- Charles Durning is dead. You're so terrible. I know. I'm sorry. Rest, rest in peace. I think he's a fantastic may he, actor. May he rest in peace. I would. I would say right now we should stop what we're doing and queue up Best Little Whorehouse in Texas and watch his big number. I just did it, and I'm back. Wonderful. <laughs> Me too. But I'm still going to hell. But anyway. Oh, you're, um, you're, you're wonderful. Thank you. But that's fun. But that's my gift to everybody. Your mnemonic yeah. advice for remembering so, which one's Charles S. Dutton and which well, one's Charles Well, I'm sure they all thank you. Yeah. Um, or just TV's rock is Charles S. Dutton, but whatever. That helps, too. So I guess watch it if you ever get a chance to watch it. The the alien, like, there's, like, I don't know if it's, like, a little claymation alien. I don't know. He, lo- he looks weird sometimes, a little alien. But um, eh, it is what it is. Like we've discussed, we don't really have a huge, like, we didn't, you didn't see Alien as right. a child. you don't have that nostalgia you don't have for this, Alien. So yeah. I don't look at this as, like, uh, you know, the worst thing they could have ever done to the Alien franchise. It was just another Alien movie to me. Um, Sigourney Weaver is always awesome. Um, I rewatched Children of Men, which is, like, it gets better every time I watch it. Like, I... Ugh. Oh, e- easily one of the best films of the past 20 years. Oh, my gosh. And this time, for some point, for whatever reason, the majority of the second half of the movie, I was, like, almost crying. Everything almost made me cry. I was very emotionally struck by it yeah. this time. I don't know why. Um, but awesome. I don't know it if anybody... a 10 for me. I, or at least a nine nine point seven five would be hard. It, I can't think of a flaw in that movie. It's it's a nine for me, and still the, the way Julianne Moore still it's everything with her character still surprises me. Still, yeah. I, I watch it again and I'm like, what? 
but I've already seen it. So why am I surprised? <laughs> I saw Django, Django Unchained. You did. Um, I saw it Christmas Day um, in a theater packed with people. I have not seen it yet. Um, I liked it quite a bit. Okay. I need to see it numerous times. It is no Inglorious Bastards. And for me, Inglorious Bastards is my favorite Tarantino. It is mine as well. Um, it is good. There is amazing parts of it, but I feel like with Bastards that there, that every scene, every collection of characters, every piece of dialogue is perfect in Inglorious Bastards. I, I could agree with that. I do not feel that way, at least on the first watch of Django, but it needs to be, it needs to be viewed again, but I liked it a lot. Yeah. I'm having such issues cause I really want to see it. Um, I just, I don't go to the movies anymore. It takes so long to get there. It takes so long to sit there. It takes long to get home mm-hmm. and it's expensive. And yeah. so I'm like, uh, how can I, and now the two movies that I actually want to see in the theater are both just under three hours. So yeah. I'm going to do like a double day of them. Cause there's not you, that many hours in the day. Exactly. You, yeah. and yeah, I hear you. This, it takes a chunk of time and Yeah. Definitely, and it def- definitely could have used a pause button because I ha- I did have to get up at one point and I missed something important. I was kind of pissed, but but I will see it again. It, this will be an immediate Blu-ray buy, and I will watch it right away. Um, last one, I finally watched the talented Mr. Ripley. It's only taken me like fifteen years, thirteen years. I don't know, some ridiculous amount of years. Um, it's so good. It's I've been told that, and it's holy crap. On my you need to see forever. it. I feel like it went off Netflix or something. Um, I had to get the disc in from Netflix. I think it actually, I think even the disc went off at one point. Yeah, I've, I've had, I had it in my, it on my queue. queue yeah. And I think I, it was like a I had it in my queue and then I was like, I need to fucking watch this movie. So I bumped it up to the top. And it is so good. This is, it's a long one too. It's like two and change, I think. Okay. But but it is so good. <laughs> I um, really. Well, I, and apparently if I like that, then I'd also like Identity, according to Netflix. So. See? Netflix knows me and you so well. Yeah, but I can't recommend that highly enough. I, I thought it was amazing. And once you watch it, I would love to talk to you about it. I will I just add it to the queue. Boom. So that's it. That was a lot. Sorry. That's okay. I don't have as many just because uh, I was away for Christmas and just been busy and stuff. Um, but so a few things I caught. Uh, my So Christmas, I got home on Christmas and then it was like, okay, well, I'm you know, a couple of hours left. I feel like I need to watch something Christmassy. So I turned on the I just finally figured out that I can watch YouTube on my TV Ooh, that's, that's fun and you know why that's exciting I bet you can figure it out because you watched cat videos um no no because I could watch them up at family Christmas <laughs> I was like oh cat videos oh you watch them up at family Christmas do you know that I had a VHS of that and I sold it and then I got a VCR the heart breaks. Is, it truly does. The good news is, is on YouTube, there's one that's <sighs> on there in its entirety. It's a 45-minute straight thing, and I think I don't think there's anything cut. Because that's, that's for those of you out there who don't know The Muppets Family Christmas, it is just, everybody goes to Fonzie's Every, mom's house for the Christmas. Everybody's in it, so it's a rights nightmare. Yeah, which is why a lot of things, it was put on blue DVD, but then, like, the Fraggles aren't in it or something. Because you got Sesame Street. You got mm-hmm. Fraggles. You got fucking Jim Henson. Yeah, you have. I mean, it, Henson doesn't own. Everybody knows this. Henson doesn't own the Muppets anymore. Right. So right. anything that like that, that would have to be a Disney release. Mm-hmm. But Disney, Disney doesn't Disney own. Has to get the rights to the Fraggles. Exactly, which is why the Christmas toy 
which you know what that is, right? Oh my god, yes I do. The Christmas toy has been released subsequently by Henson, but the intro with Kermit got cut out because they yeah. can't get the rights to it. So you can't get... It's it's a nightmare, really. For any... something I wonder, because there's um, one of the songs in the Christmas toy, Old Friends, <gasps> here for yeah. the holidays. They sing that in The Muppets Family Christmas. And mm-hmm. I wonder even if that is technically under the rights. So it That's is... That's yeah. a good point. It's a nightmare. It's a rights nightmare, but um, if you haven't seen it or have watched it, like, haven't watched it in a long time, go to YouTube, type in Muppets Family Christmas, and it's there, and it is... So one, it's just it's really funny, and it's sweet, and it's just wonderful. It is wonderful. And there's Grover dressed like a mouse. Oh, I love it. I know. <laughs> um, so that I watch on Christmas. I also decided to be seasonal, and on Christmas I watch my Netflix disc of the Chernobyl Diaries. That's really festive. <laughs> How was it? I try. Um. Okay. I was when I watched it. I was like, all right, it's okay. In subsequently thinking about it, I have realized that this is a movie that seemed to, I think was made on a bet, where they were like, <laughs> hey. We're For a gonna... second, the way you said that, I was like, was it made on a bet? Well, here's what the bet was. This was a bunch of people sitting around being like, let's take a fucking awesome premise. Let it, let's take a vacation in Chernobyl, which you can do. I, th- I, th- I almost did it back when I lived in Russia. The premise does sound very interesting. The premise is great. It's... The the town, um, Pripyat, I think, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, was the town where the Chernobyl uh, meltdown happened, where people just had to leave immediately. It is still, it's a ghost town. There's radiation there. You can go in there for a certain amount of time and then leave, and you're okay. But it's, it's inhabitable. You can't live there right now. Um, so let's, let's make a horror movie there. Let's make a movie about people going on a tour there, and they get stuck there, and oh my god, mutants. Sounds awesome. And then the director or producer, it's the, the Paranormal Activity producer, were like, all right, now let's make it as dull and um, typical of a theatrical horror movie as we can. So that means let's make sure the cast is between the ages of 21 and 29. Because those are the only people worth talking let's about. Let's make sure they're all white. They yep. can have accents. That's okay. But they all need to be white. They all need to be attractive. Because aren't we all attractive and white? Let's, let's give a little leeway. Let's have the tour guide, the um, Ukrainian tour guide. He can be a little bit older, but spoiler alert. Uh, Does he die first? Yeah. Why don't we kill the most interesting person first? Yeah. And on top of this, the most important thing when you're making a theatrical horror movie for 2012. Um, so you know what's really big? Found footage. Uh, yeah, but, you know, we have a budget. Like, we don't have to do this found footage. You're right. You're right. No, you're right. Yeah, let's, we won't do found footage. How about we film it <laughs> as if it's not found footage, but then we make it look like found footage? Hmm. So, so it, was, it was really effective, cam, right? Let's make sure that we can't see anything. Like, let's make sure. Oh, there's something. No, 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 no. Too much light. Darken it. Darken it. Okay, that's better. Why don't. Okay, hey, you know those two characters that die? Uh, I got a better idea. Why don't we have your <laughs> friends find their cell phone and watch them get taken away on the video? Right? Because kids have iPhones. Kids love iPhones. Let's do that. So far, you're just making me want to see it more. Well, of course. Just because, kidding. Because you're a, a product of the 21st century. No, I don't, I don't like the way it all just, that sounds. It made me angrier and angrier the, the further away I got from it. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's, and it's not a bad. Was it like, fun when you were watching it, though? Well, uh, no, it was fun in that I was like, wow, I really hope they showed me something. 
Oh, okay, what was that? I'm, oh, no, okay. Oh, look, there's a child. Oh, no, that's, that's, that's it. Um, okay, dark ending, that's cool. Wait, did it, what just happened? I didn't actually see anything. Like, it was, it was okay to watch. Yes, you could sit down, turn the lights off, and watch this movie, and have an okay time. You could, you could, a better time than most stuff that comes out in theaters, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just, that's typical horror. But at the same time, like, I can think of a lot of other straight-to-DVD horror movies I watched that did something different that were much better. Yeah. And so it was just ultimately the kind of movie that if you want kind of a lazy, I just want to watch a horror movie, it's fine. Um, But if you're somebody that gets, apparently like me, who is sensitive to some of the issues plaguing modern horror, it might annoy you. Three days later, when you start talking it out and realize, fuck that movie. Oh, I don't think I want to see it. I I mean, if it comes comes up somewhere... When it comes on Instant Watch, give it a try. It just, it it kills me especially when, and this we always talk about, like, there are so many little things you can do. Like, gee, you know what would be interesting? If instead of six pretty young people, we had, you know parents and a kid and an older couple and two young people like Mm -hmm. give me something different and and it just makes everything better and this movie just probably it was like it tried it was like okay we've we've got kind of an out there premise so let's make sure everything else is something people recognize and we didn't have to so that bothered me i i can understand that um i also watched another seasonal horror movie uh saint nick it's, oh, is that, wait, is that the one with... No, that's not the one with Goldberg in it, is it? No, 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 that's Santa no. Slay. That's Santa uh, Slay. This one, okay. I mean, it's a similar thing. It's a killer Santa Claus. Uh, or St. <laughs> Nicholas. Uh, I guess it's set in... Oh, God. I always end up sounding very ungeographical because I can never remember if it's, like, Holland or the Netherlands or what. <laughs> but it's one of those places where they go by the old myth of St. Nicholas who... Uh, Back in the day, bat, when children were bad, he would come and put bad kids in his sack and then take them to Spain uh, with the help of his um, assistant elves who were known as Black Peters, who today, you've probably seen like the pictures or if you read the Dave Sedaris thing about Black Peter, like now in, like um, I guess, Holland, they do blackface for it. Oh, uh, really? It's issue. But the movie, the, the, it's hard for me to really to properly discuss this movie. Because on Netflix, it was dubbed. Oh. And the thing about dubbing is... It, I, which, which I hate. I hate yeah, dubbing. I, I will watch a dubbed movie if it's like an action movie where I really just want to be able to just watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one where I know the tone is kind of silly. If it's anything serious, you can't watch anything <clears throat> dubbed. It just, yeah. It's not going to work. So this one was... The, so the problem was, I'm not sure how goofy it was supposed to be and how goofy it just came out being but it's it's fun it's it's gory it has some crazy kills there's a lot of decapitations just happening there's it has some issues the again like Chernobyl Diaries the human stuff the like non-killer stuff is kind of meh but at the same time it's it's a it's a different watch and if you're looking for something especially if you kind of dig foreign horror which is often more interesting than american horror absolutely you know, agree with it, that. it's a good time i would probably advise seeing if you can watch it in its original language mm. uh but you know good time um also of horror notes i watched um 
So I've started to plan, you know this, in February I do on my blog, um, only I only review movies about short things. Yes. <laughs> killer dolls and killer insects. I'm sure that takes a lot of prep too. Oh, it does. I really have to like make sure I have enough for it and you're, you'll, you'll laugh at this. Um, I got my Netflix DVD today and I was really excited because I had no idea what I was getting because all the things on my top of my queue were long wait. So it was like, mm-hmm. maybe I got one of those. And no, it's actually Bratz the movie. Oh, lovely. I know. So that, that will be done in February. But the movie I watched, I was in, I was in Kentucky this weekend. And Kentucky used DVD stores. Oh, let me tell you. Really? Well, they seemed like they'd, they'd be a joy. And I'm pretty reluctant about used DVDs just because I've gotten burned with scratches on them before. Yeah. And with this place, I just opened every one and looked and they were fine. So I did get to score me a copy of Tiptoes. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. I, I think I I'm liked it. I'm very excited about that. Uh, but I also grabbed, there was a movie I had picked up and it had a little burlap what sack. Who in Kentucky is watching Tiptoes? And then- well, there were two <laughs> copies there and I was going to just buy both and give it to somebody because I know plenty of people who deserve it. But the uh, second disc was so, you could, opened it and saw that it was it just was like, somebody had taken their keys and they were very angry at the movie apparently. Well, not for good reason. Yeah. Uh, so the, the movie I picked up was called Sinister, not the Ethan Hawke movie, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. It had a little burlap sack doll on it. So I'm like, all right, let's 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 try this one. It's directed by Steve <laughs> Sessions, who also did Dead Clowns, by any chance. Okay, that? yeah, I, I've heard of it. Yeah, um, and what's interesting, and Dead Clowns I kind of gave a pass to. I was like, all right, this is clearly a low-budget, not very special movie, but it's... You, he kind of took what he was good at, which was music and um, having scary clowns, and was able to like manipulate filmmaking well enough to make you think you were like, oh, I don't know, that's passable. And this movie, um, you could kind of see him doing like, okay, he knows his strengths, which is, he also does the score, which is making the music to his movies. And so the movie is just stretched with music. And it's it's not very good. And there's no it's not really a killer doll, it's just a voodoo doll, so it's a mm. it's shit. It's not a good movie. Um, but that was that. Uh, and then lastly, a movie that's been kinda uh, getting discussed around the podcast of fear. Ooh. The Scrooge. Scrooge? Scrooge. Oh Scrooge, like Bill Murray. Sense of the verb, yes. Like, oh my god, one of my favorite movies of all time. Favorite movie of all really? Well yeah, well, easily one of my favorite Christmas movies. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's one of my go-to for Christmas. I always put it on. Um, and, you know, this year I did too. It's it's a kind of movie I feel like if that same movie were made today, um, even if it was still Bill Murray, but if it was just, you know, made in 2012, mm-hmm. I doubt I would like it. It's, I think the enjoyment I get is more from nostalgia than it's... Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. Huh, because I feel like as, as I watched, because that was a movie as a child I saw repeatedly, oh, me too. like way too much, like could quote it. And then I found as when I watched it as an adult that it really held up as its own film. Like it wasn't just it seeped in nostalgia no, for I me. It does hold up. I just think there's, um, I don't know, there, there's ebbs and flows in it for me, mm. I guess. Like there's just parts where I kind of like, yeah, And like something, I think there's, there's so much in it for... Like, for a comedy, you know, just for a simple hour, 40-minute big uh, mainstream comedy, there's a lot going on, and there's a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most of them work. I actually discovered a huge problem I had with it that I never realized before. 
Really? Which would be? Okay, I am a big Christmas Carol fan in general. I I will watch, if you're doing a Christmas Carol, I'll watch it. I don't care. I'll remember that. If if the Bratz do a Bratz Christmas Carol, I will rent it. Um, So this one, the thing that caught me was, and I realized I'd always kind of had an issue with this, but I never quite was able to verbalize it until now. So Ghost of Christmas Future, the whole thing is supposed to be that when he comes, he's showing Scrooge how terrible the world's going to, his life and the lives of the people around him are going to be if he continues on his path. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the case of Scrooge, we see what happens to his secretary um, and her son, and we see what happens to, um, uh, oh, and his, his, his ex-fiance girlfriend who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you see that. And then it's him, and then we see that he dies and is getting cremated. Yes. But... I do, I do recall so what? this. Everybody does. Like, it, the problem is, in most tellings of A Christmas Carol, the whole thing is that surrounding the Bob Cratchit stuff and the, um, like, the other Christmas Future stuff is that, all, like, you have all of these townspeople talking about, oh, God, thank God he's dead. What an awful man he was. Yeah, I yes. liked him anyway. Like taking his stuff and yeah, shit. You yeah, you have this grisly, spidery sense of how, you know, how there this there's this terrible man who's everybody's talking about. And in every time with Christmas Carol, you have Scrooge saying, Oh god, I understand. If I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm gonna you know, like I'm gonna be like that guy. Yeah. And then he is that guy. Then he realizes they were talking about him, and that is his grave. And it's not that he's dead, it's that he died with the world in a worse place and hating him. And in Scrooge, there's none of that. It's just, and then he's dead. And mm-hmm. so the, the big thing that changes him, which is supposed to be him realizing, like, how fucked up he is, is just, he's in, it's like this thing, he's in a coffin now and it's getting burned. And it, I think it took so much away, and I never really quite realized that until this time, that huge flaw of the movie that bothered me. Hey, Emily, thanks for ruining Scrooge for me. Oh, fuck you, because it's funny. Because <laughs> I, I was watching it, and I looked at Brian, and I'm like, you know, I have a pro- like, I never realized this, but... And he was like, what? I'm like, no, I'm like, you know what? I realized something wrong with this movie. He's like, don't tell me. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm like you're going to ruin it for me. Because I did the same thing um, with Love Actually. Um, which, I, which I still haven't seen. What's oh, wrong with oh, me? Wow, that's, that's... You're like the 97th person to tell me this holiday season alone to see that film, and I yeah, haven't. Because I even threw that on, actually, the other day, now that I think about it. And I have one issue with that movie that, and it doesn't ruin it for me by any means, but I knew I'm like, okay. And because I told Brandon about the Scrooge thing and he was kind of like, oh, fine, you're right. But with Love Actually, I wouldn't tell him because I knew like it does kind of ruin it. And I, well, I guess I won't say it because I don't want to ruin it for you. Yes, please stop it. Okay, I'll stop ruining Christmas for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those were all my, my very seasonal viewings. Uh, and after that, I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, fun. Oh, it's so much fun. I've never seen that either. Oh, instant watch. <laughs> I know. I can't. I can't go down that slippery slope oh, because girl. I'll never get out. Can I get name? Oh, God. I can just quote. Like, she has, her best catchphrase is, don't fuck it up. That's a catchphrase. I love it. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so why don't we? Oh, we never said we were covering. Oh, hi, guys. Hey, girls. Um, t- today, what we're covering is some movies. Um... Emily picked a movie, which would be... you picked a movie first. Did I? I still don't understand how these are connected. If you want to... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There is a connective thread that is so exciting. Is it really tenuous? 
Is no, it, is... no, it's not. It's it's very very clear. Can you please tell me? Okay. Um. Yeah. I. I is it? No, it's not gonna give anything away. Like okay. a bitch, and then you die. Is that is that it? Yeah, because Rose McGowan says that line in Jawbreaker. Oh, okay. And what happens in Fish Tank? Yeah, all right, all right, all right. In Fair Fish enough. Tank, she fucking dances to it, and then it plays yeah. over the end credits. It's true. It does play over the yeah. end credits. Connection. Okay, so the connection, that's not why we picked these movies, though. That was not the reason. I picked, I picked Fish Tank from 2009, um, starring a girl whose name I can never remember, but I'm going to look. Kate Jarvis. <laughs> And one and one Michael Fassbender, mm-hmm. um, and Emily picked. Uh, and I decided, yeah, and I decided to pair it up with. And I, I thought, still don't get. Well, because I said this is a girls gone wild theme, and so in some <laughs> cases when girls go wild, they dance, right? They smoke, they drink, they don't go to school, mm-hmm. and in some cases when girls go wild, they accidentally kill their best friend and then become bitches about it. So I picked Jawbreaker from 1999. You know what? When you put it that way. It makes all the yeah, sense. Um, so why don't we take a break? Yeah. We will come back and talk sure. a little bit about Jawbreaker. a little movie from 1999. Now, where yeah. were you in 1999, Christine? Probably around the same place you were. Yeah, I, I was, um, I guess I was a junior? Yeah, I mean, depending yeah. on when this came out. This, um, IMDb says February. Okay, so yeah, we both would have been juniors in high school. I, I was a junior in high school. Um, I saw this in the theater. As did I. With my then awful boyfriend, who really liked um, Marilyn Manson, <laughs> so that is how I got him to go see this movie. If you kids don't know, um, there is, I guess, a cameo. I guess you but, call it that. I don't know. It's like build really weird at the opening credits. Like, yeah. Well, the, the there's a lot that's build really weird, like co-starring <laughs> William Cat. And as a 17-year-old, I was like, whoa, ha, ha. Yeah, em- Emily is a 17-year-old. That's how she reacts That's to William Cat. Yeah, some girls are excited for Marilyn Manson. I was excited for William Cat. And I left the theater being like, wait, William Cat was in that movie? Because he's in there literally for like 30 seconds and has his line. His line is, Liz? Liz? Yeah. Yeah, so disappointment. From the- he should have really been uncredited, unless there's like a crazy amount of footage that they edited out. Well, I mean, I think this movie, and we'll, we'll I'm sure, talk in more detail about it, but tried very hard to capture something using whatever tools it had, including, uh, you know, the cast of Carrie. Because you also have <laughs> souls. 
Yeah. Uh, and playing in the part of Liz, the girl who plays the bitch in Carrie 2. Oh, yeah, I think I did know that. It's been a long time since I saw Carrie 2. Well, it's funny because that was the other movie I was thinking about for this episode. Mm, I, I would have been considering that. Carrie 2. Because um, I bought it at a, again, used DVD store recently. And it, I mean, it's the same thing where it's just, it's so 90s. I, but I like, see, and I think, well, as we continue to speak about this, we'll get into the fact I like 90s movies. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, for both of us, especially, I'm sure it's a generational thing, pure and simple. Mm-hmm. We Absolutely. were going to the movies in the 90s. That was when, you know, what else were you going to do on a Friday night? Go to the mall or go to the movies? And uh, so these movies, especially the teen ones, which I wasn't the biggest fan of teen movies when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. but there's still something really nostalgic about them now watching them just because even though I didn't dress like that or speak like that, it still, you know, was trying to connect to my generation. Yeah. So Jawbreaker, whether or, you know, no matter what my ultimate review of the movie will be, um, Spoiler alert, my enjoyment is always going to be higher just because there is a kind of, not personal connection, but there is a personal affection for it, I guess. Just yeah. purely because of the time period. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and so that's kind of why I picked this one. I picked it because, I mean, I hadn't seen it in a long time. And I feel like it's an era of film that is not talked about much just because it's still, it's, we're just about the time, I think, where we can look back at the 90s. Mm-hmm. And have kind of some, you know, weighed criticism on it. And but, um, crit- critiqueism as well, I guess. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about a very 90s movie. And it, you know, felt like a fitting, <laughs> fitting companion to Fishbank. Um, but so, Christine, why don't you tell our fine listeners what Jawbreaker is about? All right. So Jawbreaker is about a group of friends. Um, one of them gets, quote unquote, kidnapped as her birthday joke. Apparently this is not... I don't know. I guess I thought that is what they did. Maybe it's because of this movie. (laughs) I could only be basing it on that. I mean, there's a lot of, like, the popular girl culture, which, and I think the same goes for Heathers, where it's like, well, nobody I know did, like, nobody, um, like, you gotta compare it to Heathers, but, like, Heathers is the same thing where, like, you know, the girls play croquet and uh, play these very um, measured pranks on other girls and, mm-hmm. um, you know, do, uh, what, what's it called? Take polls at the audience, like, of the audience, of their classmates during lunch period. Like, mm-hmm. nobody does that, and nobody, just like in this movie, like, nobody kidnaps their best friend with that kind of prank. But I think watching it, you suspend a certain amount of disbelief because they're the popular girls. So you're like, well, <laughs> well, I don't know what the fuck they did. And I think to a certain degree, it's not, to, at least in Heather's especially, I mean, it's not to be taken literally. I think right. it's, it adds in the satire. Yeah, it's kind of, of what, this representation of the elite in a different way. Yeah, like this is what they, this is, they're crazy. This is what they do. Yeah. Um, and, it, and that's the way, it's pretty much goes through the entire movie. Like, no, no one does that. <laughs> that's not how you act. But this <laughs> is Marilyn Manson when he's out of his makeup. <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm no, done we'll, with that. No, we'll go there. I'm, no, we're done with that. We're done okay, with so, that. So but anyways, so, so they kidnap their best friend, and this is not a spoiler. Um, she dies. Before the credits. Exactly. She dies. Um, they stick a jawbreaker in her mouth, and apparently, for some somehow, it ends up in her throat. I, again, I just suspend disbelief on that one. They just shoved it in. She opened her mouth too wide when they did it. I guess. Anyways, she chokes on it. Um, so they're gonna 
try to set it up to look like, you know, some kind of foul play. She was having sex with some dude and something fucked up happened. But um, the very unpopular girl happens to walk in on them, played by Judy Greer. Judy Greer. Um, single hand, this role single-handedly made me love her forever. Oh, she's, um, she's and awesome. And everything she is in. Everything she is in, she's the best thing in it. Yeah. Absolutely. So she, they see her in um, the now head of the clique, Rose McGowan, who's Courtney in the movie, decides, okay, to keep you from telling on us, we're going to we're gonna make you popular. And then it all happens from there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. Pretty, that's pretty accurate, right? Yeah, I would think so. You have, okay. you know, the lead of the movie essentially is Rebecca, Rebecca Gayhart as... I, I thought it was arguable. Well, okay, fine. She's the lead. She she's the lead in that she's like your quote unquote moral center. Um, mm. She you know she's the one who says this is wrong. We shouldn't have done this, and as a result, leaves the clique and you know becomes enemy number one. And I mean that's essentially the plot of the movie. It's a it, this is it's a light movie. It's barely ninety minutes, if even that. Um, but it its primary distinction, I guess, is just that it's trying really hard to be kind of a high school black comedy along the lines of Heather's. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think it works along those lines? Um, do I think it works along the lines of Heather's? No. Um, I'm sorry, I'm chewing. I'm of the mind that Heather's is the perfect high school black comedy. Mm-hmm. As I, um, I don't think you can ever make that movie again. Um, but I do think this works for what it is for me, Mm -hmm. but I understand why people don't like it because there are things like the sound effects and which I really, I've never really noticed. I don't know. It never bothered me enough to, to notice and be like, that's distracting. But I think what it's trying to do, what it's trying to say, what it's trying to express about the hierarchy of high school does come through. Well, especially because you could make a drinking game out of how many times a character says, this is high school. And, I, and it is a little, I mean, some of the things are a little on the nose, and it is sometimes a little self-aware, and it's ridiculous. And, like, the pe- they don't really do things they like high school people would do, and I'm pretty sure none of them are high school age. Julie Benz has been playing a high school person since she, like, that's all she's ever played, um... <laughs> I just I, I get that I get that it wouldn't be effective for some people, but I really do think that it achieves what it sets out to do, which again is to do. A, I, I stylized. Would you? Yeah, it's funny. I think I was really um, intrigued watching this because I had done like a quick like just you know sometimes I like to go to like Wikipedia or Rotten Tomatoes just to get like a brief history of how a movie was received because I was curious this movie is people hate this movie Mm -hmm. it has like zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes when it came out it was hated by critics granted Heather's was not a loved movie either Heather's you know now you obviously it has not just cult status but it's considered you know a very good black comedy but when Heather came out it was simple there are young girls now like much younger than us like teenage girls who heavily relate to that film right. who adore that film so it definitely took some time right. for that to, to find its correct and I think a lot of yes. times that is the nature of black comedies I think yeah. sometimes they're either too on the nose at the time or they just it's, it, the humor isn't as it's hard to know when you're supposed to laugh is always mm-hmm. an issue and with 
this movie, because this is um, directed and written by Darren Stein, who hasn't done much else. He did a couple Ooh, of other than just following the magazine on Twitter. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why that happened. Okay, yay for that. He apparently he's working on a musical version of Jawbreaker, which <gasps> I mean I'm all for. Hey. Like, uh, actually, like, to be performed? Yeah. Like, yeah, he, like, wrote the book for it, and he's been, like, working with it. Um, I've watched the hell out of that. Yeah. It, the thing, the, I think most evident thing about watching it now, you know, not as a teenager, I guess, there are things I really like about it. There are things that are really funny where the humor works. I think the cast is fine. Um, mm-hmm. Some are better than others. Some get the joke a little more so than others. Can I can I pause you for a sec? You may. Do you feel who do you feel like gets the joke more than others? Because I want to know if oh, you I feel think the Rose same. Gowan gets it. Do you, what do you think about Julie Benz? I re- I really like this is one of the, my favorite yeah, Julie Benz roles. I'm sorry because because the character Rebecca Gayhart's character's name is Julie, so I'm like. Oh yeah. Okay, Julie Benz who yeah. plays Foxy in in this film. She's like the dumb the dumb blonde and I really feel like she sells it. I think in a lot of ways this is the best performance I've ever seen her in. Oh, absolutely. She, I agree. She's an interesting actress in that she is has a very particular baby voice. And yes. you can do things with it, but she when she's cast in the wrong role, i.e. Punisher Warzone, which I adore the fuck out of the movie, but she's terrible in it, and she doesn't belong in it, and it, it's bad casting. There's been so much of that, though, that you're just like, why? Why is this happening? Yeah. In So she's somebody like, and on, and on Buffy, when she's modern Darla, she's fine. When she has to play Darla as a an 18th century vampire. Yes. It's just not it so just much. takes you out of it. It's like when uh, David Boreanaz does an Irish accent, it's and you're just like, "What? You Please stop!" You're like, "Oh, they didn't think this far ahead when they cast these people. Did they? <laughs> they knew they needed to cast a cute blonde to wear a schoolgirl uniform and be a vampire, but they didn't realize she who knew it so, would turn into a period piece. Yeah. Oh crap! <laughs> Can you be British? No. Okay. Can you? I don't know. Wear this corset. Exactly. Can your boobs look huge? All right, let's go with okay, that. We'll just, we'll just do it. People, you know, it's teenagers watching. They don't care. Um, so there is that, like, limitation of her, I think. And on De- even on Dexter, she grew it, into the role, I think, ultimately. Yes. Um, but, yeah, in this, she's fine. She's perfect. She's, you know, she gets the joke. She's funny. She's slutty. And she's, you know, she's playing the airhead, and she's fine. Uh, Rebecca Gayhart has the less... Uh, has the thankless role of the street one. That's exactly the wording I was thinking too. Yeah, so it's hard yeah. to say whether or not a a different actress could have done something more interesting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because was the, was there anything more interesting you could have done and, with it? And is the, problem, the question I'm like. The other big problem with the movie, I think, is just um, whether it was that the movie needed another guy to come in or girl to come in and do a second draft or to just do some punching up because I think there's a lot of funny things in it and I think the overall story is fine but there's just so many moments and characters that just don't seem to click the way they're supposed to mm-hmm. and I really do feel like it's because visually this is a really fun film it's it's candy colored it's the, the the costuming is fun there's so much about the visuals that really do pop and work but there's something not right about the movie, and I think it really is just, it needed a better script. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have 
you know, when you have, like, Rose McGowan just has, has a blast with it, and you can tell she's just happy to be playing the bitch and takes advantage of it. And I don't think she always, you know, I don't think Rose McGowan is a great actress. And even in Jawbreaker, there's lines that feel kind of stilted and delivery choices I don't get. Mm-hmm. But it's fine because she just goes with it, and you can tell she's believing it and having a good time. And that translates, because I, when she's not on screen, I'm always like, ugh. And the best example of that is the boring side story when Julie gets a boyfriend. Yes, Ugh. yes, yes. That really is, is for me, what keeps this from being as fun as I used to think it was. Because if this movie was straight out um, black comedy, satire, poppy, everybody's a bitch, everybody's this, mm-hmm. it, it would have definitely been better. And they could they could have done just simply done stuff more with um, Judy Greer's character, who yeah. is fur, Fern and then becomes Violet. I wanted more of her. Rebecca Gayhart. You, you're right. This could have just been, you know, Rose McGowan and Julie Benz, and they have to deal with Fern, and that would have yeah. been more interesting. Because mm-hmm. Julie, by nature, she is a dull character because she's the one with the conscience, but is also the weak, you know, oh help me, pretty girl who it doesn't do anything about it. Until she gets a boyfriend. And mm-hmm. the boyfriend comes out of nowhere. It's literally one scene he drives by. He's like, hey, you want to ride? And then they're dating. I, but they're supposed to be like, oh, you know, we used to talk or I seen you. And I just thought you were untouchable. Now you just uh, can talk to you again. <laughs> that's, really, that's really how he says it, too. You're right, pretty much. And the boyfriend is just kind of an Ethan Hawke lookalike. You know, the yes, kind of guy that like, hey, when I was 17 and saw this movie, I thought he was cute. <laughs> but who was this movie made for is a really hard question. Yes. It was definitely made for 17 year old me, but was it made for other 17 year olds? I don't think so. Yeah. Because at that point, like obviously the there's, you know, the fact that you're casting Pam Greer and Carol Kane in this movie Mm. is not for the 17 year olds. You're doing that because you're trying to make something that's very like John Watersy almost. Yeah. But then you weigh it down with this. Okay. Well let's appeal to the teenagers in the audience with a romance. Yeah, And it's a really messy mix that doesn't work and could have worked if the boyfriend was more interesting, if Julie was more interesting, if, mm-hmm. if it was a little more cynical even there. But it just all of a sudden you have this really sincere, let's go to a drive-in. Okay. Let's look at a sunset. Okay. And it's, wait, but what about the girl that you killed? And the next scene is, you know, um, making fun of anorexia. Like it's, it's a weird balance that he didn't find. Yeah, I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we're so we don't we don't like the boyfriend story. Oh god, I hate the boyfriend story. <laughs> yeah, um, I also speaking of Carol Kane, mm-hmm. like kind of like she was great, but I kind of wanted a little bit more. More of the like, character, or just more like more so more Carol? Yeah, more yeah. both more of the, the more of her presence, well, but also. Like, let her off her leash a little bit? Because, I mean, I've seen right. Carol Kane. Can we know she can do it. I think that was a... That's a... That's a... What you're saying, and I wish I had written down, like, an example of it, but there are multiple scenes that feel like they have lines um, that were cut weird or edited weird in a way where it doesn't... It's, it, like, you feel like a scene is supposed to end on, like, a funny beat, mm-hmm. and it doesn't... And a lot of them are with Carol Kane, where Carol Kane will be like, oh, 
you're so irresponsible. Yes, no, no, I think I know what you're what yeah, you're saying. I didn't, I didn't notice it. Carol Kane yeah. and the girls, essentially, and that's a couple of scenes in the beginning where she gives Fern, you know, the homework to bring to Julie, and then she's mm-hmm. talking to Rose McGowan, and they just all feel like they're supposed to go somewhere, like have a, I don't want to like a punchline, but not yeah. not really a punchline so much like, as okay. Well, obviously we need the scene because we need to establish this in terms of where everybody is for the plot. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we need this. But it, why, like, you, that's not what he was trying to do, because otherwise, why would you cast Carol Kane? You know, yeah. you could have cast, you know, um, somebody who would not, like, kind of give it a comic spin without meaning to. Like, the scenes are, I think, are supposed to be funny, but there's nothing funny about them. Yeah. And it's do you, strange. Do you have the DVD? Do you have the no, CD? No, I actually did it, um, this is the first time I did this. I did, because it wasn't at the library. And I didn't feel like I didn't plan my Netflixing around it, so I just did the Amazon uh, pro- instant viewing thing. I I own it. I should look. I don't know if it has any features, but I'd be curious to see if there was anything chopped out. Yeah, I, I feel like there must be, but it almost feels more like if there was, it was just scenes that went on a little longer. Yeah. And because this movie, it, it's pretty short. It feels very short. It does. And there's just so many of those moments where. Um, and another good example of this, I think, would be the kind of montage where Pam Greer, who, motherfucking Pam Greer, is playing, um, she's a detective investigating the case. And there's, like, a montage where she's talking to all the girls about, like, what happened. Yeah, I know exactly what you're and talking And there's about. two weird things about it. One is that it does, is, um, and here's where the girl in me uh, apparently noticed something. Logically, it's in the wrong place because the... Uh, Rebecca Gayhart's wearing this like pink tank top that she wore the scene be- the day be- the scene before, which would have taken place the day before. <laughs> There's actually another time that happens too. It's yeah, funny you it. but it's like very blatant that they didn't. The whole school found out about this the next day, but now she's dressed differently. So it's like you could tell that there was something off in the editing or decisions, mm-hmm. maybe in placement or what. But it, I think, it goes a long way in explaining that this film was not put together that well. Yeah. Hmm. Which is a shame because that scene also, that's like your big Pam Greer scene. Yeah. And I mean, again, this movie is definitely guilty of wasting Pam Greer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's when you're, when you're talking about trying to appeal to different age groups, um, to waste Pam Greer. And in my opinion, I guess yours too, to waste Carol Kane. And fucking William Catt. Oh, well, yeah, and PJ Souls, like, to to have these people even bother to show up and then, and then not, not use them. use them, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but they knew what to do with Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> do you think the thing that might have been responsible for them breaking up was the, once they sat down and watched the movie, and you realize that the way they show the sex scene is, like, they face morph him into her? <laughs> I didn't notice it's that. Very, it's like a fade out on his face and fade into hers. And it's just uh-huh. very disturbing. <laughs> That's funny. It I would didn't make me that. not want to have sex with either of them if we had been having sex before that. <laughs> There's not a lot of ifs. Been, or that we were planning. There's a lot of ifs going on there. Um, I think it's funny that he's in this. Oh, I think it's, it's funny. I think it's so funny at one point. That's, that's That was a selling point. Um <laughs> Oh, the 90s. Um, but I, And I know on our Facebook page, a lot of people said this. This, for me, is like the hottest Rose McGowan ever was. I used to think she was so beautiful. I wanted to be Rose McGowan. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I would have sold, sold my soul to the devil to be Rose McGowan at one point. With Marilyn Manson. 
to, to be Rose McGowan, is that what we're saying? Yes. Yeah, would he have bought me presents too? Because he had money. Yeah, why not? But um, I just thought she was the cat's pajamas. And I know that a lot of other people thought so too. Oh, yeah. And I just think she's just the bee's knees in this movie. She, I just love she, her. You could tell. And the thing about Rose McGowan uh, is that, and if you've, you know, if you've seen her give interviews or read anything about her, she's a smart cookie. She mm-hmm. is smart and she's, you know, she's got film knowledge. She's funny. She, I, she's one of those actors that I feel like I could have a drink, you know, I could have a drink with you and we'd have a good time. And she owns this movie because, again, I don't think she's Meryl Streep, but she just maximizes her screen time. And she's like, fuck mm-hmm. it, I'm going to be a bitch and I'm going to milk it. And she does it. Even when she's wearing some really questionable clothing. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about the peekaboo Argyle sweater, which took me forever to realize, to figure out if it was peekaboo or not? Wait, is this like the, the, like the half sweater? No, it's like it, towards the end. She's got a blue sweater, and it's got these like triangles going down her chest. <sighs> Why am I not remembering this? It's, well, I'll put a picture on the Facebook page for. Oh, you. thank you. Sure I'll find it. Thank God. But it's very like I remember the first time I saw it, spending the whole time in the theater, being like, "Are those holes, or is that nude fabric?" And I couldn't figure it out. And this time, I could definitely tell that no, that was they were holes. And it was again one of those things where you're like, "No girl in high school would wear that because she couldn't." Um, especially because you can't be wearing a bra with that thing, but no, no, I, yeah, there were a bunch of outfits. I was like, no one would wear. Do you want to talk about her, her sexy outfit? Which one? The, when she goes into the bar? No. Wait, which one's, oh, like, wait, when she's having like, when she's having relations with a man, but it's like a little, like a little baby doll, um, like nighty. Would you call it like something that your grandmother wore? It's very unflattering and unsexy. Well, it, it, no, 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 it is. It's unflattering. It's that's, those are a thing. That's a cut of that. I'll put a picture of that up on the Facebook too. Um, because it's, <laughs> because it's oh, no, like. feeling in one. Yes, I will. He, he has one because it's like a little, ta- like a, like a tank, right? We're talking about the same thing. Like it's got little spaghetti straps and it's yeah. got. Like, you know, like the like the kind of low cut in the bodice area. And then it, I know that we're both trying to like visualize and I, know, each other I keep I keep touching like like my shoulders to show like my little straps. But and then it like kind of bells out, right? Yes. Like it's very high it's like right under I guess probably right under um her boobs, right? And that's where it cuts and it kinda of comes out yeah, from there. Kind of but that's a, that's an unflattering cut, especially if you have if you have a larger chest, it's gonna bell out even more. Right. No, it's not flattering, but that's a thing. So, okay. Just, I love that scene. I love that scene. <laughs> oh, me too. That, and that's, um, I mean, it's it's high school sex done in a way that you've never seen in a mainstream film. It was awesome. It's very kinky. It's like. And know, she's so good in that scene, too. in it. Because it's, again, it's like the moment where you're like, okay, this is, there's something here. There's something with this actress and this character and this, like, you know, R-rated comedy, because it is R-rated but then it, the rest of it doesn't go far enough. Like, if mm. the whole movie took that as, like, its starting point. You know, I really. You've got, you. like, the Julie and the drive-in stuff. Hmm, I agree with you. Wonderful. Maybe that wasn't, that wasn't, um, that Darren Stein gentleman's fault. Maybe he wanted that movie. It's possible. And he was told, this is a teenage movie. Yeah, you, can't. Hey, you guys, you need, like, you're going too far. Yeah, that's true. It is very possible, and that's. I would love to get this movie with commentary track. Ooh, I gotta I, go look. Yeah, I feel like it doesn't because I. I know I looked because I considered buying it if it was cheap and had features, 
and I couldn't see that it had features when I looked online. But mm. yeah, check the actual DVD because this is is the kind of movie that you feel like the you know they they wanted to do things that maybe weren't in there or not or maybe you know the commentary of him being like this is my favorite scene <laughs> to the driving. This is the perfect movie. Oh my god, I just realized something. I can't believe it. I've seen this stupid, stupid movie a million, billion times. Um, Dane is the dude in the, in the, in the scene with um, Rose McGowan, okay. her like boyfriend. Do you know he was, he was like in Buffy, like a lot. He was in, he was, um, in, during the high school years, he was Percy. So, so oh, Willow would have tutored him. Yes. Aww. So he's in like all of that season's episodes, yeah, like Graduation Day and Earshot. And then he's even in season four at one point. Oh, so cool. Yes. And um, in Doomed. That's so weird. So for all of our Buffy, fellow Buffiers, I never realized that. And I'm usually good with picking up on the Buffy shit. Well, what's funny is for years, I think I thought that was James Marsden. <laughs> I can see that. It's the James Marsden character. And then, yeah. like, another movie that I would put on a double bill with this is Sugar and Spice. <gasps> so good. I, I love really it. like. I, Sugar and Spice, I think, is, that is a movie that gets itself and has a great tone. A lot of fun. So I like fun. that. And the best thing about it is James Marsden. Because it's <laughs> James Marsden playing bright-eyed and innocent, which he, he does totally better do than that. anyone. And so I think I always kind of assumed that that was him, too, because he's got a similar haircut. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at that IMDb right now. I'd totally be into doing this movie. I haven't watched it in so long. And it's really short. It's like, that, that's a movie that had to, like, add credits just to hit 70 minutes. Yeah, 81 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so, the, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, the fashion. Was there any other fashion that's really odd? Oh, all of them. Well, all, Julie, all of Julie Benz's outfits were terrible. <laughs> But, I mean, I think that was the point. They were, I really feel like they were, like... They were intentionally not going to be something that you would own. I feel like, similar, similarly to the fashion in Clueless, that those fashions right. were not realistic in yeah. any way. Like, it's an extreme example of, you know, what you could kind of wear. Yes. Yeah. And I remember, although you could have totally bought... Did you have Contempo Casuals in your you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally all this stuff came from there. <laughs> they were having a closing sale in 1999. <laughs> but so there, I mean, there is that, and like the costuming is fun, and the prom dresses are just ridiculous. I like Rose's prom dress. Rose I think she McGowan's looks beautiful. Rose hair in, in, I know, in the finale is just the greatest thing of all time. So, you, you know, there, there's that stuff that's good. Um, the, Ugh, but, pe- but people hate this fucking movie. People fucking hate it. I, I, I think, yeah. you know, and I, I do wonder, if I was 10 years older, would I like this movie? You might hate it, too. I might. Um, there are, like, two, the, there's some great humor in there. There's one scene that I thought was really funny, which is when um, they're kind of talking about like, the hierarchy of high school and everything. And Rose McGowan, like, points out the Karen Carpenter table. Oh, yes. You know what? That's very Mean Girls, that whole scene, that very whole. Mean Girls. Yeah. But the great thing about it, it's not just that the Karen Carpenter table, but it's the way, like, it cuts to the table and the girls are just, like, passing raisins around. Uh, really so sadly, funny. And it's hysterical. It's really funny. That's one of my favorite it scenes. Is, like, I like that whole, like, oh, what are you doing? You, we don't eat here. No, we don't eat. And, like, the explanation of, well, we eat. And then point out the table that doesn't eat. And, like, they're just, like, it's just, like, taking their pinkies and, like, moving the raisins. Like, they're eating the raisins as if it's, like, breadcrumbs and they're, you know... 
any things like that are really funny. Um, Rose McGowan has a great line and delivers it really well, which is after they like, you know, stage their best friend to have looked like she was raped. Uh, Rose McGowan says, you know, if I get a zit because of this. Yeah, that whole that whole staging the body scene is another one where I felt like it went to a place that I wanted it to continue to go to. And it's dark. It, and it, it, it is like, very dark. If you are in um, a sensitive mood and you watch this, it is a mean movie. It's You're watching this movie where these girls are taking a dead body and you see the dead body. It's not pretty. And they are, you know, bending it this way and that. And it's it's an ugly, ugly scene. And the reason I think it doesn't quite work is because you then, two scenes later, you have this sweet date where this girl likes this boy and he likes her. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's just that inconsistent tone. It needed to say we're going to go far and it just needed to go there and it it doesn't yeah and that inconsistent tone makes the subject matter i mean it you can have up, a yeah it you can have a black comedy teenager. yes because exactly you can have a black comedy that deals with the death of a teenager and the way they're handling it if you continue that tone throughout right. Heather, the second exactly. the se- exactly the second you then do that sweet little date it it starts to become perverse like do you not remember that like 2 days ago your friend Right, because you just start watching it and you're like, God, Julie is a fucking cunt. Yes, she got over that super quick. Yeah, it is. It's her best friend is dead. She doesn't do shit about it. But if that tone had been been stuck to, it wouldn't... The very next day, she's flirting with this boy and writing her number on his hand. And it... Yeah, and it's... It would work if they made... If they just went all out and was like, all right, you know what? Julie's kind of a dumb slut. Then that would have been fine. But they don't. Mm -hmm. They try to make her seem like a really nice girl. And, you know, the gold medal really needs to go to Judy Greer, I think, in this movie. Oh, because so Judy good. Judy Greer is saddled with, in a lot of ways, the worst part. Worse than Rebecca Gayhart, because Judy Greer has to go from... And she does fine the entire time, and you, I don't think you notice... It's easy to not notice how off some of the writing is for her. Because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't know what to do with her character. It just it gives her these, like, long monologues that she delivers you know, sweetly, you're like, okay, so now she's sweet or a bitch. I don't know. Cause the movie just couldn't decide. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wasn't completely, I, I had less issues with her, like who she was, who she became and then who she turned into. Like there really was like four different character yeah. arcs. <laughs> I think it's also, yeah, right. It's also a lot of like, okay, the scene where she's being interrogated by Pam Greer and she's talking about how she used to kind of, like, she kind of had this obsession with Liz Burr. Which I, again, wanted more of because there were some heavy lesbian undertones that I really wanted more of that. And, like, she goes on this, like, monologue about how she used to sit behind her and she watched the beauty marks on her neck. And and it goes into this very stylized scene. And I, it doesn't, it just sticks out because I don't think the writing is as good as the scene thinks it is. Because mm-hmm. it's this very simple, like, I used to look at the back of her neck, and I would see things, and I saw sea monkeys, and this, and, and I don't know, it's, it's very, it just doesn't feel like it's written to the level that that scene could be, mm-hmm. and so it, it just ends up sticking out to me as just kind of being dumb, and I don't think it had to be, I think there was, like you said, there was some, some weird passing <laughs> 
Because if you if you go back to when she first shows up at Liz's house and she's going through all the things that she's going to say when she comes to the door, I feel like that was handled much better than uh, yep. to, sh- to show this like preoccupation and this obsession yeah. and this, you know, so if it could have been more of that. Yeah, or if it just, yeah, it just could have been consistent. Yeah. Because then once, as soon as she's kind of popular girl, there's no sense of who she is whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes like, it's another one of those movies where you watch it and you just wonder whose movie is it? Whose story is it? And I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. I mean, it, I guess we should know, right? Like, after we watch it, we should know whose story it was supposed to be. Well, because it just, the problem is, I mean, it, yes, it's, you know, it ends with Courtney's plot. But you kind of feel like, well, I feel like Julie should have learned something. And she learned that when she has a boyfriend... Things work out better. Things work out well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's life, right? When you have a boyfriend, things are way better. (laughs) And you go to prom, and it's awesome. Yeah, and Uh, where did she have time to do her hair? Yeah, I know. She just threw it together at the last minute. Do you do you have do you have anything else, young lady? Um, no, I think that's it. It's it's a it's a difficult film to discuss because I think it's. But it, I mean, I'm really glad we got to talk about it because I feel like it's a movie that warrants discussion because mm-hmm. it's it is different. It is it's hard. You can I mean, obviously, you're going to compare it to Heather's, and you can then compare Mean Girls to this. But at the same time, for its time, it's it is something special because it tried to be something special. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a shame that the movie doesn't reach some of the levels that it sets and that it could have. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. So should we... Um, so, yeah. Do you have anything else? No, I just want to say um, Tatiana Ali is in this. Oh, that's right. She plays the cheerleader. One of her, I don't know, for me, few post-Fresh Prince roles. Um, I don't did know you- if I've ever- is, am I crazy? Is Tatiana Ali in, in the um, Killer Clown movie with Christopher Plummer? Oh, I can click on it and tell you. You might be crazy, though. No, I don't think... Well, I mean, I am, but possibly not for that. The Clown at Midnight. Nope, I was right, which she did yeah. just before Jawbreaker. Huh. Well, I've not seen that. Uh, the um, Clown at Midnight. Oh, Margot <laughs> Kidder is in The Clown at Midnight? That we may have to review The Clown at Midnight. Oh, thank God. Um, yeah, so it was nice to see Tatiana Ali in this. And also the Donnas are in this, marking one of my favorite teen movie tropes, which is put the Donnas or Good Charlotte or another band in your movie. Um, the Donnas also in Drive Me Crazy. Um, hey, uh, shockingly, I've never seen Drive Me Crazy. Oh, my God, you need to see it. Um, who, they, Donnas were in another movie, I think. And then... Um, yeah, Good Charlotte was in not another teen movie, right? I think, but I love when that happens. It's my favorite '90s thing. Well, it's, it's, just, it's also just—it's great because it's going to date your movie so well, so well. Yeah, and I love that. I love it. Give me a teen movie with an actual band in it. They can be playing themselves because in this, they, the Donnas were the Donnas, but in Drive Me Crazy, the Donnas were a different band. Ooh. I don't care. Yeah. Just fucking give me it. Tell me, am I missing them? Tell me. I think I've seen them all. I want. I want some. Put it on the Facebook page. <laughs> that's it. That's all. You that's all I, you that's, I, just, I just wanted to bring it up because it's one of my favorite things about 90s teen movies. I can, yeah, I know. I agree. And as a, a long-time 90210 fan, and they did the same thing. Every year of 90210, there's a band on there. Love it. And again, it just dates it. There's the Color Me Bad episode where they spend the entire episode trying to find Color Me Bad in a hotel. 
you you know who did that too? Charm did that because at one point, not with Call Me Bad, but with bands. At one, they have at one point Piper. This is a show, I'm showing my charm knowledge. Charm, um, she has she has a club like they all own a club and she has musical acts come and play and like she actually has musical acts come and play like Bare Naked Ladies was on and it really dates that too. You're like oh yeah this is when people like Bare Naked Ladies like a lot. <laughs> Um, even Buffy, because we're rewatching Buffy, uh, and so we're at season three, and it's just, it's similar where they didn't they, occasionally they get big names, not many, but for the most part, it's just the style of music is like oh yeah, 1990s. yeah. There's there's some that's very nineties, but do you remember the Buffy episode with Amy Mann on it? Yes, I favorite. Like, I don't care. That's not the dated. Episode that's is amazing. awful. I can't remember. I feel like um, do you remember? Uh-huh. isn't it? I don't think, wait, you can keep talking. I'll find okay, this. Don't worry. We need to give Memory them. serves me as that not being a good episode, but it does have the great line, which is her being some, like, I hate playing Vampire Town. Yeah, somebody out there is screaming loudly what episode this is, and I should know. I want to say it's Fool for Love, but it's not. Um, Sleeper. Which one is Sleeper? I should know this. I'm ashamed. I'm sorry, guys. The fact that I don't know it makes me think that. I'm ashamed. Sleeper is the eighth episode six. of the seventh and final season of Buffy. What? Um, so Sleeper is the one. It's written by two of my favorite Buffy writers. Um, and the first scene, Spike is seen digging a grave. Oh, it's the one where, where the, the first is controlling Spike and he, he's like oh, killing. Oh yeah. I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I just, I, I have, well, I don't know. Season but the two, the two songs she sings, which is, this is how it goes. And Pavlov's bell have been on my iPod ever since. And they're timeless classics. Hey! I love I love talking about Buffy. All right, I'll shut up. <laughs> I know I can talk to you forever. Um, oh, did I tell you how we're now like I'm so mad because the next episode we watch is The Wish, and I just want to watch it, and <sighs> we keep not watching it. And I'm like, hey, you want to watch that episode of Buffy? And it's like, no, it's too late. Let's go to bed. I'm like, no, but I want to watch. But the it's wish. The Witch. It's The Witch. Uh, one of the best. I know. Because then that sets that so sets the stage. Out. For my one of my other favorite episodes, which is the doppelganger. Oh, no. I guess we should rate Jawbreaker. What? No, this Buffy cast. <laughs> um, Jawbreaker, do you want to go first? Ah, uh, sure. Okay, so quality of film. Um, <laughs> I felt like you were asking me for a second. It's like, are you reading it? The answer. I think this. I mean, this movie. There are things about it that are above average, and then there's a lot about it that's below average. Quality of film, I'm just going to go straight down the middle and say a five. Okay. Quality of life for me, again, I find this movie enjoyable even though I am giving it a five. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's on cable and nothing else, on, I would put it on the background and be perfectly content. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, quality of enjoyment is a 6.75. Okay. Um Quality of film for me, I, I'm going to go a little bit higher than you. I'm going to say a 6.5 because I, I, I do think it's, it's not like, I think it's slightly above average. Yeah, I just think I want it to be better than it is. I guess. It's a tough line to, to walk because I agree with you. And I hope that I'm not colored by that too much. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 6.5. And my, my enjoyment... Oh, who am I kidding? My enjoyment is like a seven. <laughs> I really do. I really, I really like this movie. Yeah, it's- and I still like it. And I know I see its flaws. Mm-hmm. I see its flaws, but I see also what it what it did right too. So it's no Mean Girls because Mean Girls I would flat out give like a nine across the board. That's no movie. Heather's, which I would exactly. You know. 
Yeah, but it, it's, you know, it's, ad, it's an admirable effort, I think. And I would be curious, you know, I'd like to see Darren Stein do something else. I'd be really curious um, if, as he gets older, he, you know, has a different approach. Mm-hmm. And I'd also be curious for Jawbreaker the Musical, because fucking Jawbreaker the Musical. Yeah. You can That's add the musical amazing. after anything, and I'd be excited for it. <laughs> so that that's Jawbreaker. That's Jawbreaker. We're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk some fish tank. actually been you know in some countries it might actually be called jawbreaker 2 i uh, ultimate title jawbreaker 2 in italy it's probably that way uh and that movie would be fish tank fish tank oh now christine you picked this movie yeah i did pick this movie before i give a little synopsis can you tell us why you picked it um i picked this movie because i for a couple reasons i think um it would be really interesting to talk to i've never actually talked about it with anybody um I saw this. I saw this in my quest. I can see a theme here. My quest to see every Michael Fassbender movie, which I have done except for one. So it's working. Um, uh, and I was. I kind of went into it not knowing anything about it. Just that he was in it, and you know, country of origin, and you know that it was directed and written by a woman. Mm-hmm. Right? Isn't she a woman? Yeah, yeah. Andrea yeah. Arnold, it would be... Why do I second-guess myself so much? If she was a man. Her, her, no. her mother would have been a bitch if she were a man. You know what? One criticism I have of myself is that I second-guess myself too much. But anyway... New Year's <laughs> resolution, done. Stop it. Because I knew it was a woman, and I don't know why I was like, is she a woman? But And I was intrigued by the fact that it was directed by a woman. Anyways, so this used to be on... It still is on Instant Watch, on Instant right? Watch. Yeah, so That's everybody watched it on Instant. So I just happened to cue it up, because, you know, Fassbender. He do, to me, he does no wrong. And I was shocked at what I got. Let's just leave it at that, so as not to spoil the review. All right, so Fish Tank is the story of a 15-year-old girl named Mia. Mia lives in England. Uh, and... <laughs> Why did you yell England? <laughs> it's just me doing an English accent. I apparently yell when I do an English accent. Mia lives in England with her mother and her little sister. And Mia, Mia, trouble child. Uh, I, now I'm now I'm turning southern. I'm going to stop my accent. Uh, so Mia has um, some behavior issues. She I, seems to have dropped out of school. She does. Not she got seem, kicked out. She got kicked out. She doesn't really have any friends. She seems to have had a friend, and they fight now. 
Uh, and she's just very unhappy, very lonely. Um, her mother is, you know, kind of a, a young mother, you can tell, and a woman who likes her booze and likes her men. And um, Mia's only real, like, enjoyment in life comes from dancing and just kind of turning on the hip-hop and just dancing. And, you know, things change a little bit when Mia's mom brings home Kona, played by Michael Fassbender. Uh, and Connor is, you know, just her mom's new boyfriend. And Mia just kind of bonds with him quite quickly. And, um, you know, Fish Tank is just kind of a, a coming-of-age story, if you will. Hmm. Sort of. That's the noise I made. Sorry. I'll stop it. No, that's a fair noise, because I say that. And, I, I mean, that is the way you can easily classify this movie. If you were oh, if you had to classify it, absolutely. When you think about that, it's kind of an odd term, because... She learns things in this movie, and she certainly grows. But at the same time, it would be hard to say she comes of age in this movie because she's mm-hmm. still a, a fucked up fifteen year old girl. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, this, I think it's a plot. This movie is the poster child for movies that make me scream at characters to stop doing stuff, and they won't mm. stop. <laughs> <laughs> like they won't. Hurts. Or like I watch it again, and I'm like, please make this a different time. decision this time. <laughs> Please don't do this. I watched this one. This is my second time watching it. I watched it about a year ago. And this time when I watched it, um, I ended up actually making a very good. I watched it primarily on my iPhone while I was commuting to work. Mm -hmm. And I ended up watching it in three parts just because that's how long it took and blah, blah, blah. And after the first half hour of watching it, I remembered, oh, when I stream on my phone, I can turn the subtitles on. Which is great, because there are things that watching, like, seeing the subtitles, I realized I misheard the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Uh, including a very key scene where, you know, if you don't understand what they're saying, it makes for the scene very different. But um, it was also interesting then, because I was watching it on, the, on like, on the, tr- on the bus. And I do this if somebody's sitting next to me and I don't have a book. You totally look I and totally see what they're watching. And I knew, like, at key moments where, you you know... Because you and the same thing happens. Usually, I watch RuPaul's Drag Race when I'm on this train, and I know I get the same looks, but they're a little different in nature. So yeah, uh, people sitting next to me wonder what they thought of this movie. <laughs> you should have asked them. They're like, "Oh, this is on Fish Now. You should watch it." Um, so yes, this is a lot of screaming at characters and being like, "What are you doing? Yeah, what is your plan absolutely. here?" Um, do you do you want me to say why stuff? Okay. Um, uh, okay. So <laughs> if you can handle it, this is no. This is another movie that, like, I'm not. I'm not going to say I had any similar like life to um, Mia at all, but I definitely relate to a lot of Mia's strife. Okay. Um, basically, the crux of this film is um, Connor is obviously much older than her, and. And is she's, pay, she's 15. Yeah, she's 15, pay, and paying attention to her. And I would say, second time watching, from the jump, paying attention to her in a very inappropriate way. The first time I watched it, for some reason, I didn't really, I don't think I felt that strongly. It's, well, it's, I mean, what, there's a, this is a really good movie. I'm just going to come out and say that. And oh, my gosh. One of the, things, the, the reasons is because of that kind of moral ambiguity you have watching it. Mm-hmm. Because it's. You know, the fact that they cast Fassbender in this role, for one thing, you don't watch it and think of him as a bad guy. And, yes, after you, you know, we're not really spoiling, but, you know, it's not surprising to know that he's not really that good of a guy. 
You, mm-hmm. you can figure that out. You, you do know that. But at the same time, because he's good looking and charming and friendly and nice to her. And you <sighs> get the feeling that this is a girl who um, nobody has ever been nice to. And especially men. From the jump, from the first time he walks downstairs after spending the night with her mother, mm-hmm. and the way he even relates to just the little sister, I paused it and I looked at Dylan and I said, you realize that, you, look at the mother, because right off the bat, the mother is awful. The mother's a mess. She's just, yeah. she's oh, terrible. Um, I, I said, look at this mother. Imagine the type of men she has in and out of there, and look how nice he's being to them. And Imagine like what this feels like for them. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, they, they, the, like the big, not turning, like, I mean, you know, they take a day trip and they're outside and they're just, you know, like walking around water. And it's just this moment where you can see it's a turning point for her because she's, you know, she's hanging out with this guy who's nice to her and, mm-hmm. you know, and picks her up. And, you know, when she gets a cut in her foot, he's there to help her with it. And it's, it is, she's very easy to take advantage of because it, even though she has this like wall around her, she's just really, you know, it, all it takes is for the wrong guy to be nice to her because nobody's ever nice to her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, and you can tell because she's, she's 15, but you can obviously see she's never really been a, a none of them. If you look, look at her sister or just the children around, um, none of them have ever really been allowed to be kids. No. So she's not a child, right? And but she is. Great scene with, the, with the little sister early on where her and her friend are like, you know, drinking and smoking. They're yeah. drinking beer and they're smoking. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it, the camera also cuts to, like, their bed, which has, like, stickers of cats on it. Little kitty stickers. Yeah. yeah. And it just reminds you, it's like, yeah, these, the little sister is, like, what, eight, nine? She's so small. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, like, and it, and it has my favorite line of the movie, which I totally meant to introduce this movie with to say to you, which is, if I'm a fuck face, you're a cunt face. Aw, thank you. <laughs> I agree. It's, and her for her sister's hysterical. Every oh, line out of that yeah. kid's mouth is amazing. She, and um, she's a funny little bitch. So funny, but uh, and there are like funny lines in this movie, it even though a funny movie. There's for the most part, there are quite a lot of th- moments where you kind of have to chuckle for, for various reasons. Hmm. But in as adults and in that day trip scene, Mia, that's one of the first times it's kind of like. And my and my heart breaks for her. It's the first one of the first times you see Mia actually kind of embracing the innocence she should have as a fifteen year old. Yeah, and being a kid. Um, and but and, I mean that's very short lived, and it's and that is why I feel like I know we're, I'm, I know we're not going to spoil certain things about this movie, but her relationship with Connor is not appropriate, and I feel like that is why the second time around I I really disliked that character because I feel like he took crazy advantage oh he does and like crazy because the first time i watched it i was like i don't know why maybe it is because of 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 fast bender because he's so charming and because and i want to give him the benefit of the doubt like like the tool i am i'm like oh i'm giving you the benefit of the doubt (laughs) um grown man dealing with a 15 year old but and then and then to muddy the waters even more is the fact that she is openly interested in him well, in that fucking cast manager. But like, like there's a scene where she, he's like changing clothes and she is playing with a video camera that he's lending her and she films him just mm-hmm. like in his boxers getting dressed and then she rewatches it later. I ain't judging the girl. 
would have done the same thing. <laughs> but it's just, it just goes to show that her mind isn't like, she's not putting him in. I mean, of course she's putting him in a father figure role because she's a 15 year old girl that doesn't have a male figure in her life. But she's not, that's not only where her mind's going. But that doesn't make it okay for, oh, for right. the way he it's, treats I mean, her. Yeah, she is 15 in the end. Yes. And it's, <laughs> but she's also into him, but I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's, I mean, at the same time, it's, I don't know, it, it would, the, again, like a lot of good things about this movie and the moral ambiguity of it, which is, yeah, yeah. that, um, sure, she is not this, you know, blushing, innocent, new to the world young girl. You, there are, you know, she is innocent in a lot of ways, including physically. Uh, but at the same time, you know, she's been around things well enough to know that, you know, watching your uh, sort of your mom's boyfriend take off his clothing, you know, that there is something to that. But there's, I don't know, there, there's that sense that, you know, she would have of like, well, maybe this one's different. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the the main reason for all of these things is maybe he is different. And in some ways he is, but in other ways he's not. Um, how far are we going we gonna to spoil? There's a certain aspect of this film that I don't feel like should be spoiled at all. Yeah. And I think, but then there is a certain part that I don't feel like is a spoiler because the entire movie I was waiting for it to happen. So maybe that okay. just goes to show so, where my mind is. Here, okay, listeners. So um, here's what we'll do. We will we'll talk about that pseudo spoiler. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you are sorry, very, I'm very funny. If you are very reluctant to know any spoilers about this movie, then just pause and queue it up on Netflix. It's like two hours, so just you should really have seen this movie. Watch the movie and then come back to us. Oh, that's another whole thing with the running length. I am sometimes apparently perceived as somebody sensitive to running length. Um, That's because you talk about putting podcasts on double speed. Everybody thinks you're impatient. I'm just, I'm fast natured. <laughs> I live in New York City. I don't like things that are slow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, if I go to a deli in, oh, fuck, if I go to like a deli in another state and they're like taking their time making me a sandwich, uh, no, I don't, I don't do that. But anyway, um, at the same time, like, no, I'll have people be like, oh, you might, you should see this movie. Oh, but it's really long. You might not like it. <laughs> no, it's not like I, I, I'm like ADHD. I can watch a long movie so long as it justifies its running length. And Fish Tank is two hours. In some it's, ways, uh, isn't it a little over two hours? It's a little over two hours. In some ways, you could look at this and be like, there's no reason for this movie to be over two hours. And there's not. You could easily cut out plenty of little things or shortened scenes that don't need to be as long as they are. She dances for like, you know, 10% of the movie. But I like that dance. And it doesn't bother me in the least. And this is a two-hour movie that I've sat down and watched twice now with no issue whatsoever. Mm, so yes. don't let the, the not-that-long-running life scare you off if you might be like me with your fear of long movies thing. Um, but yeah, so watch it and come back and listen to our pseudo-spoiler. Christine, uh-huh. what's your pseudo-spoiler? My pseudo-spoiler is that they end up having sex. But I knew that was going to happen. Like, you knew that was going to happen, right? It's. I mean, it's, you know... You, you know it, it's got to happen or that, you know, it's almost going to happen or that something regarding mm-hmm. the fact. I was pretty sure it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have, I have a lot of I things to say, but I'm not going to say any of them. It's a terrible scene. I know it's the fucking best. <laughs> Such a great, the, the whole time Dylan watched this movie with me. Um, if people don't know, Dylan is my significant other. Um, 
but he watched this movie with me and he, I think he really liked it. I mean, he's, again, like you said, he is sensitive to longer running films and he sat through the whole thing. Yeah. It, it doesn't so, feel like a long movie for some reason. But he, I, I don't think I breathed during that scene and all the <laughs> saliva pulled up in my mouth and I felt like I was going to choke. And he looked at me and he's like, you are the biggest fucking creep. You're such a creep, but I'm not. And I, I'm glad that you you don't think I'm like, he's like, you're such a creep. But I'm like, I'm separating the two. In the context of the film, I want to shoot this man in the head because he's taking advantage of this girl who I empathize with and who I can easily place myself in the role of. But then it's also a sex scene with Michael Fassbender where he talks dirty. And I'm really okay with that. So. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, because the scene is, it is a hold your breath scene because you're like, oh, is it, oh God, I don't know what, oh, God. And then, not that the mood gets lightened, but if you've, and I haven't seen Shame, but I know that um, part of the, not joke of Shame, but the thing that a lot of people talked about Shame was that Fassbender has a really big penis. I guess, I don't know. So in the sex scene, you guess, you don't know, you haven't like around it 10 times or not? No, I love that movie, that makes me so upset, but please continue. (laughs) But the best is that like, in the sex scene, he's like, I bet it's bigger than the other guy. Have you ever had one that big? (laughs) It's just. I don't mean that. Yeah, he delivers it a little bit more graphically and sexily. But it's just the way, like, knowing, like, the Fassbender jokes about his penis size in that mm-hmm. scene make it um, a little meta. I Dios mio, that scene, though. Oh. I'm a creep. I'm a big creep. Hey, everybody, I'm a huge creep. But at least let's you just, acknowledge let's, it. So. Just get it out in the open. Yeah. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> You're talking about Fassbender's penis, I think. I wasn't. <laughs> I would never presume to do such of a thing. Not. Um, something that I didn't notice until watching uh, the second time is that Mia's actually really polite. She is. I, I like her so much. Like, yeah, she gets into fights and, and, you know, calls people cunts and stuff. But she also, anytime she asks for something, she says please. Anytime she's given it, she says thank you. She's a good kid. Like, you know, she asked for directions. She's like, oh, which, which street is Dayton Street? Oh, it's that one over there. Thank you. Like, she's actually really well-mannered. And I, I don't know, like, I, I really like that about it because it makes me like her so much more. And it's funny because, I mean, I don't, it's hard for me to identify with her. Just, you know, I don't know, for various reasons, I don't dance. Um, <laughs> That's the only reason you can't identify her, Because you, know, you don't dance. I don't dance. have a little cunt face sister. Um, oh, I love her sister. <laughs> her sister is great. So there's, you know, the owl monkey, you um, <laughs> There's, you know, it's, but it's a similar, like, this is a coming-of-age story in the way that, um, you know, people really like Catcher in the Rye, let's say, or mm-hmm. The 400 Blows, or, like, you know, there's so many of um, movies that are set at, like, that time, and I think this is such a good one, because even though I have not lived a life quite like Mia. Um, it's like, I just, I really like her and I feel for her. And even when she's doing things that I want to grab her by the ponytail and shake her. Just stop it. Like, right. stop. Leave the little girl alone, Mia. Walk away. Are we going to spoil that? Let's, I don't know. If you really want to, we'll just say spoiler alert. And, and that oh, that. I don't know. Because the first time I saw it, I didn't see it coming. Well, okay, let's spoiler alert, because I want to talk about it. So, okay. <laughs> all right, everybody, at this point, you've been warned. We've told you, just go watch the movie. We really like it. Our scores will be high. Um, and yeah, I'm not going to say anything else interesting, so don't, don't worry. Okay, right. And the rest of this, we're just going to speak in um, 
cat talk. <laughs> I just I say that because I just had to grab Mookie because he was trying to lick himself. Um, so yes, but we're going to spoil things now. So at this point, gloves are off, and we are just sticking our hands in the let's uh, spoil belly of. Okay, so go. Uh-huh. Um, so Connor has a wife and child. Uh-huh. Um, he, Around the same age as the little girl, as her little I would say younger. Younger or just seems younger because she got a mom and dad uh, and dressed like a princess true. and ain't drinking okay. beer and calling her sister cunt face. So the reason why she finds this out is because after they bone, um, he, Connor takes off because he kind of been living with them. Um, yeah. So he takes off. And she's, like, super upset about it. And understandably so. So she, she at one point, had looked at his pay stub and it has a very good memory and knows where he lives. So, so she goes down to his spot of living and she goes to see him and he, like, flips out and brings her to the train station. But she goes back anyways and no one's home and she's plays with the camera that she, he had let her borrow and there's a fucking little girl on it. And she, you know, slowly but surely the pieces come together. And she's like, holy shit, he has a wife and a kid. Like, what the fuck? So, so this, this morphs what any normal 15 year old would do. Morphs into her basically kidnapping this little girl. You forgot what she does first, which is just. Oh, she pees on the floor. Just kind of awesome. Well, you know. She kidnaps his daughter. And the scene leading up to that, um, because she, like, gets out of the house right as they're coming in, and she goes and she sits. Like on the railing, and the little girl—I think her name's Kira—starts um, like using one of those little razor scooters, running up and down the sidewalk, back and forth past her. And in that moment, poor Mia is not just hurt because that she was lied to and misled, and that her family was lied to, and that all of this meant nothing—not just the sex, but the 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 relationship. This person never cared about me or any of us. She is just so jealous. Yeah. This little girl has a yard and a house and, and parents. And I fucking, in that moment, I was like, oh, God, you're going to steal this little girl. And I don't want you to take her. Just <laughs> it won't make it any better. Um, so I, she, I had somehow forgotten that whole story. When oh, I, that's my I mean, favorite I part. Married, but I had forgotten about the kidnapping. And so watching it yesterday, I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot about Oh, God. I do, oh geez, what happens now? I don't remember. Ah, and it's terrible too because I blocked it out because and I mean the thing about that so um, that tells you what a good movie this is is that it is such a terrible thing for her to do, mm-hmm. and you don't ever really know what she was going to do. No, um, she. Just, I don't think she ever knew what she was going to do. She was just like I just. It was. It wasn't premeditated at all. No. Um, but, I mean, you don't know her ultimate plan. Was it to bring her home? And, you know, was it to leave her somewhere? You, you have no idea. But at the same time, you should hate her for what she's doing to this innocent little girl. And yet you feel so bad for her even in this moment. You're just like, mm-hmm. don't do it because you're better than this. And you just, you don't want her to do it. But it's not just because it's a terrible thing to do. It's because you just, your heart it's, is with this girl. It's not what you, yeah. And then I think... Another thing the film does wonderfully is that, um, as I've mentioned, and at the end of the film, I feel a little bit differently, but I I hate Mia's mom. Like, I think she's just awful. She's, in my opinion, the worst excuse for a parent because I hate parents that treat their children like 
um, like, like, sha- like shackles. Yeah. Um, she clearly didn't want, at one point she tells me, I was going to have you aborted. Like she's just terrible. And she, she pinches them and she hits them. She's verbally abusive. She's physically abusive. I just, I just hate her. And in this, now you have Mia paired up with a small girl. And of course Mia's going to lash out at her because she doesn't know how to treat people because she's never been treated a certain way. And it's painful to watch her push and yell and order this little girl around because I wanted to, and that's when I wanted to scream. Like, this isn't you. Mm-hmm. Like, this is obvious. Like right. you said, she's very polite. It is a cycle. Yep. And that, pro- you know, yep. um, you could very well be Mia in another year. Another year, Mia yep. could get pregnant. And <laughs> and that would be how, and, you know, it's, it's, and it's funny because in a lot of ways, I mean, this is a downer of a movie. It ends on an up note. Oh yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, but such a like, but at the same time, you're like, well, you know, I'm happy that she's going somewhere else, but does she have the tools to not still end up in the lifestyle that she doesn't want? I'm going to say that she doesn't, but I think like you've pointed out, she is, she's good. She is a good kid. And I feel like that she has just as much of a chance to, to turn it around as she does to fall in further. Um, and in the final bits of it, um, like her and her mother and her sister, they dance. Like there's, and it's- you, uh, What song, Christine? Two, I know that one song. Life's um, a bitch and then you die. Life's a bitch and then you die. But for me, and I know just saying it, if you haven't seen it and you're still listening to this, which you shouldn't be, but that's a very powerful scene to me. I got, I got choked up quite a bit this time, especially. Um, I feel like a big theme of the film is that Mia and her mother are much too alike. They're so alike, and neither one of them really wants to acknowledge it. Because there's a scene when they're in the car, and um, Fassbender asks them, if you could be any animal, what would you be? And they're both like, a white tiger. <laughs> and I just, it really struck me. Like, they're, they're you know, they're, they are each other, I mean, but yet. They're probably like 16 years apart. Her, her, I mean, her mom's oh, young, probably had absolutely. her when she was Mia's age. Yeah. And, and they're so much alike. And and that in that last scene, it's almost like they're acknowledging that they're alike. Right. And, and the mother is basically like, go. Yeah. And I really appreciated that quite yeah, a bit. It's like the one thing she could do for her, essentially. Yeah. But anyway, she steals the little girl and it doesn't go well. Um, she it ends up falling. as bad as it could, though. So that's good. No, she ends up falling in the water. And... And the poor little girl looks so terrified, like genuinely well, my terrified. My favorite thing, though, is how the little girl, like, it's after they've clearly been walking for like an hour when the little girl's like, you're starting to scare me. I'm yeah, like, starting to, kid? Jeez, you're brave. Yeah, well, she was, she was a tough cookie. Yeah. But after she gets out of the water, like, and I feel like, again, this is a big character turning point. Mia hugs her. Yeah. They, like, hug. And even when Mia brings her back to the house, because that's all she does, she falls in the water and then they go right back to the house. But it's dark, so clearly they've been together for a little while. Um, like the little girl, I don't want to say hesitates to leave, but kind of is like, like, hey, look, like I'm sorry, this didn't go the way you planned. <laughs> like, like they were on good terms. Yeah. And I feel like that's because Mia was like, holy fucking shit! When I get mad, I throw little girls in the water, like Frankenstein. But <laughs> <laughs> I throw little girls in the water, and I don't want to be the person that throws little girls in the water. So then she brings her back, and of course, I mean. Connor's not an idiot, so he knows, like, oh, me must have stolen my daughter. And he fucking smacks her. So good. It's a good smack. <laughs> I mean, he's still technically a, you know, sex criminal, but, I mean, he gets a good smack. I'm just, I'm just saying. He is a sex criminal. He is, yeah. Let's, I mean, it's, it's, he yeah. is. 
I mean, I, it, it's statutory rape. It, it is. I'm just saying. I don't know why. I think I'm trying to convince myself that it's okay to think it's statutory rape. No, just said that it was a that it was a bad crime. Right. I don't know. Well, Again, sure. creep, <laughs> creep. Do you have anything else to add? Well, um, so I stop yeah, being creepy. Do you know the uh, the great story behind how Andrea Arden Arnold found uh, Kate Jarvis? No, I want to know. According to like all trivia on you know um, IMDb and such. Basically, like, Andrew Arden saw Kate Jarvis having an argument with her boyfriend in public and was like, that girl needs to play Mia. <gasps> That's awesome. Which is awesome. Yeah, she was not an actor prior to this. Yeah, I, I did know that. I knew this was, like, her I, first role. I don't know if she's done anything else since then. She's so good in it, though. She's so good. She did a TV series, 10 Minute, 10 minute Tales, where she played Girl. Huh. I, I mean, it's, I hope she keeps acting. I was going to say, somebody make a movie and put her in it, please. Yeah, just, or just do that. Just keep making movies that you can put her in. Because she just, she, she has that natural thing that you, is hard to find, which is just, you know, you just believe her and you like her even when she's a cunt. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's such a, it's a juicy role and she's just great in it. And, and she underplays it. She never gives more than she should be giving. And it's, it's a perfect performance, really. Um, and, and and now, have you seen... I know Andrea Arnold just did um, Wuthering Heights. Have you seen it? No, I want to, though. I saw I saw that when I was looking at her. Just to make sure she was a woman, because I... <laughs> that name clearly an asshole. Very misleading. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, she's one of those... Direct, like, this is one of those movies, too, that, like, you watch it, and you get excited for what else this director can do oh yeah absolutely and i mean clearly this is a very low budget and it's fine it doesn't need a budget it's you know it's almost shaky cam style at some points and it it's you know it's a perfectly done film with the means that they had and it just makes you wonder like okay give this woman a little more money and see what she can do mm-hmm. and i just i can like it's one of those like movies that you watch and you're like yeah i can this is good she's gonna have a career ahead of her that was good. I, I I agree with you. I thought it was really really well done. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really cute pit bull that I like. <gasps> I know, so, so cute. cute. And he makes the best sounds. <laughs> he like at one point like he makes his bark and it's the like this really cute high pitched weird bark that shouldn't come from a full pit bull. It's adorable. Um, and I like that. Um, again, a great way to prove your character is pretty badass is to have the bitch headbutt another bitch. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah. My God. I will. I will. Ow. So, note to everyone: don't headbutt Emily. She doesn't want to. It would hurt. It would hurt both of us, really. I know. Well, she did a good job with it. I don't think it hurt her too bad. She. I mean, she recovered well enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's everything I have. It's again a movie that um, has is. I liked it the first time. I think I probably liked it even more this time around. I definitely did. Yeah, so, yeah, I think it's a movie that um, just holds up because it's a really good movie with a really good central performance and um, commitment to that character. And it is not afraid to make her mean and ugly and not someone you want to be around. But at the same time, but because the, the I think acting is good enough, you're still with her one way or another. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, really liked it. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Um, after the first time I saw this, I believe I, I said on um, Twitter, this is the perfect film for um, people uh, with a fast under fetish and also a daddy issue. So 
<laughs> this this film if maybe you are was in that. Um, you know, and there are some of us. I mean, I know at least one other one. So come join us, um, people with daddy issues who like Michael um, Fassbender. I have the Fassbender fetish, and not so much the daddy issue. Well, you know, it <laughs> it really works best if you have both. So. Well, then I guess I will have to get my fix elsewhere. Uh, well, you know, I'm. <laughs> Let's not even talk about that. I just had a whole long discussion well, about how. Ooh, and German. That again. Why? Why do you get me started on these roads? Because I don't want. I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about me speaking it. German. Listeners love it. Okay, I have a serious fast under talking German. Talking German. I'm so eloquent. I have a serious thing with him speaking German. Also French, but mostly German. Um, that's all. And X Men First Class. I think that's the only time he speaks it kind of with a little bit of a, an, a like a like, like not a French accent too. It's really cute, but um, yeah, just saying, just saying. I will stop it, now. It's entertaining to me. No, no one wants to hear this. No, everybody does. But I could talk about it forever. And I think at the beginning of that Blood Creek movie, he speaks German. I, I'm gonna shut. I'm gonna shut up. He's so I wasted in Blood Creek. It's sad. I, the first like. Like ten minutes of that movie are fucking fantastic, and then I don't know what happens. It goes off the rails. Yeah, well, I'm just saying that's my most succinct issue, I guess. Actually, that's when if If you have if you have a thing for Fassbender and you like Nazis and or German, and I don't like Nazis, but I think Nazis are interesting. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm done. I'm done. Tapped out. I should not be allowed to speak. This movie is also of note because he gets to speak in his own accent, and that doesn't happen very often. That's all. You sure that's all? Because please keep going if you have more. I have so much more, but I'm not going to say it. You sure? Yeah. So, Alex, <laughs> so let's, I went first last time, so why don't you go first on this one? Um, quality of film? Is that what we usually do first? Yeah. Quality, quality of film. <clears throat> Sorry I'm clearing my throat so much tonight. Got a little fun. Quality of film, I would say... Mm -hmm. 8.5 quality of life I'm going to say similar I'm going to say 8.5 actually Um, yeah it bums me out but not so much that I won't rewatch it yeah Um, and yeah and I, I, I really I enjoy it quite a bit. I think it's it's well made. It's very well acted. It's very well paced. The story is great and interesting and different um um, I think, yeah, my quality of film, I'm going to go, I'll go 8.25. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it is a very good, very strong film. Uh, and quality of enjoyment for me, I think I'm going to say an 8. Which, for me, for this type of movie, is really high. Because this is, like, okay, I'll be honest, it's not my type of movie. I am, you know, if I'm, you know, I'm home, what am I going to watch? The last thing I'm going to think to put on is a, like quiet, character-based, coming-of-age film set in England that's two hours. and Like, it's, it's not the kind of movie that I would think to watch. That's why we're the perfect pair. Exactly. <laughs> and that's it's also what makes us, like, clearly says this movie is that good, that a movie that, you know, shouldn't necessarily speak to my sensibilities as the type of film fan I am um, really does. And I really have enjoyed it twice now. And it, to me, has gotten better on second viewing. And there's so much good about it. And just the fact that, 
I can sit back and be like, I really like this movie that I normally wouldn't like. Um, and not that I wouldn't like it, but that I wouldn't feel so strongly about liking, I think. Says mm-hmm. that it, it's a very strong film. So, yeah. That was our thoughts on Fish Tank. Fish Tank? Fish Tank. Now, uh, we've got some Netflix instant recommends. Uh-huh. Uh, Christine, do you have one? Yeah, uh, my Netflix instant recommend is um, The Radio Land Murders. Ooh. Have you ever seen it? I do not. Um, I'm going to bring it up so I can speak a little bit more intelligently about it. Um, it's from 1994. Uh, it got suggested to me on Netflix Instant because, obviously, because um, I think because I watched Clue. Oh, because okay. it's like, I guess it's like a, a satire. Um, I don't really know the difference between satire and parody. So let's just put that out there. But um, <laughs> it's... it's, it's like if you're going by literary terms, parody is just like kind of making fun of the conventions. Mm-hmm. Satire typically used to be reserved for like political reasons of like you're making mm-hmm. fun of something to show what's wrong with it, but mm-hmm. so I guess this is a parody. I mean, it's a like a, a play on like a murder mystery and like you know radio. Okay, and um, it's set I guess in the I guess the late 30s. Yeah, that's what it looks like here. But it's um, it's got a shit ton of really awesome people in it, like um, Michael McKeon. And- <laughs> And Jeffrey Tambor and oh, nice. um, Christopher Lloyd. It's so everybody from Clue plus. Jeffrey I know Tambor. it's it's re- exactly. I think that's why it got suggested to me. But it's actually really, 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 really funny. Like there's some really like subtle, like laugh out loud kind of jokes that I that were very effective. And Michael McKeon is so so good in it. He doesn't. He barely has any lines, but he's just his physical acting is just so funny. So, so funny. So I would say, I think you would like it. So I will put it on my queue right now, actually. Um, All right. Mine, my recommend is going to be a little more, um, I don't think I'm kind of mainstream, but it's a movie that I feel like a lot of people missed, but it has, I'm connecting it because there's a Rose McGowan theme this week. Mm. Uh, So I'm going to say, if you didn't see the 2011 Conan the Barbarian. Oh my God. Are you kidding? (laughs) Did you? What? Are you kidding that you, what? Really? Oh my gosh, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> what? what? But, but I know. Woman and Rose McGowan Dude. with all the weird tattoo thingies. Man, it was like made for me, right? I don't know. And it was like the first hours is like behead, behead you, I'll behead you, beheading. No, I, there and were a lot of beheadings. Yeah. And it was Jason Momoa from Game of Thrones. Yeah, everybody should watch it. I think they should watch it. I just didn't like it. I'm really surprised you didn't like it. Yeah, I know. Weird, right? Did you see it in the theaters, or did you watch it? No, I watched it on Instant. Huh. Maybe, maybe it's because it didn't have any Nazis in it for me to like. I feel so stupid that I said but that. But there are daddy issues, because there's a whole like, I know, Stephen Lang so and Rose McGowan thing going on. But that doesn't, that doesn't, it's not as sexy. But it, <laughs> well, it's very specific. Like, it has to be sexy, daddy. Like, that's like a weird plot thread that, like, I was reading about, and, like, apparently, like, Rose McGowan was, and, like, Stephen Lang were like, okay, let's make it this, like, weird Oedipal thing. And apparently they were like the stu- the producers were like no, so they wouldn't change the script, so they just delivered their lines in a really sexy, weird way. Oh, you know what? I'll look at it again at if some point. If you watch it as like kind of campy fantasy horror, I think you'll have fun with it. All right, I'll look at. I'm not you opposed can't to looking take at it, it again. seriously because I don't think it takes itself seriously. And like it's, I mean, I'm kicking myself that I didn't see it in the theater. Because I remember we were going to see it in the theater, and instead we went to see something else that was not as good. And I didn't think anything of it until I was like, people were talking about it, it was on Instagram. I'm like, okay. I was like, 
fuck, they're like 10 people just got their heads chopped off in the first five minutes. I'm in. This is my movie. You know, I think it would have benefited me to see it in the theater because I, I did that thing where I started like looking around the room and, yeah. <laughs> and like playing with I my think, fingernails. Yeah, I would say like, you know, about an hour and a half into it because it's, it's, it's not. It's long. It's yeah. an hour enough into it, it starts to dip down and get a little less interesting. But then it comes back in the finale. And you've got, like, Ron Perlman. No, I know. I know you're right. And what's, just being like, I'm fucking Ron Perlman. Where do you mm. need me to stand? What's my line? Got it. War is on clothes. I don't need a costume department. I got it. I, yeah, I would be so great. If, I would love to spend a day with Ron Perlman on set. <laughs> it's, it's just a fun like dumb but bloody action movie which is just the kind of movie that everybody should watch on instant and I'm kind of bummed that they won't do sequels too not that they won't do sequels but that because this movie flops so much it just flopped like hard yeah, yeah. I and mean, this was a big flop um, what saddens me is that are they going to be reluctant to make dumb big budget R rated action movies about beheadings I think they might be they might be which saddens me well, I'm sorry. I'll I'll try it again for you, for you, just for you. Uh, should we tell the lovely people out there what we're going to be covering? I think we should, um, uh, because it's awesome. Idea. <laughs> I, idea. Thank you, thank you. I'm bowing. No one can see it, but I'm bowing. Um, so my idea was so there's this little movie making the rounds called um, The Deep Blue Sea with Rachel Weisz and Tom Hiddleston. And it's getting a lot of critical acclaim. It's now on Instant Watch, by the way. It is, it's on Instant. That's how I've originally seen it. And I thought it was a good movie, and I'd like to talk about it. And uh, something worth speaking about. Um, but the funny thing about that movie is, whether the people are doing it or not on purpose, they're still <laughs> doing it. They keep talking about Deep Blue Sea, like the shark movie. <laughs> and like, if you, like, I tweeted, oh, I'm watching Deep Blue Sea. And people are like, oh, the shark's in there. I, I was like, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, Death Sea. Yeah, sharks. But, like, it's, I mean, they're, they're similarly titled. I get it. So what we decided is that we're going to do a Deep Blue Sea double feature. We're going re- to review both movies. Yeah, because they're going to go together perfectly. But, like I said, I feel like if anybody can nail this, it's us. Yeah. And I'm just excited because it gave me an excuse to buy Deep Blue Sea on Blu-ray. Yeah, and it gives me an excuse to watch Deep Blue Sea again because it's been a real long time. And I remember a really interesting through line with a parrot. So <laughs> There is a through line with a parrot. And if memory serves, um, and I will be doing some tracking it down, uh, it ends with LL Cool J rapping about a shark. Yeah, but Deepest Bluest. It, so I'm not deepest Bluest, yeah. I get it. We should play that song. <laughs> well, we will, baby. Don't you worry. Like, on while we're recording. Like, Deepest Bluest. I'm going to play it, like, from now until we record. Maybe Dylan can come in and sing it for us, because I know he likes that song. <laughs> now I'll finally go to the gym, because I'll have something to work out, too. <laughs> All right, so look forward to that, that interesting pair. Probably in, I don't know, two, I can't think of time ahead yet. At some point in January, you'll get it. You'll hear it eventually. Yeah, in the meantime, if you want to talk about these movies or Deep Blue Seas, Uh uh, come to our Facebook page. You should totally come to our Facebook page. Totally come on our Facebook page. (laughs) Emily! (laughs) I forgot to mention. Okay. I say I like Nazis and then Emily's saying that. (laughs) There's that joke that I forgot to mention in Jawbreaker that's so, like, again, I can't decide if it was funny or really stupid, where she's about to have sex with her boyfriend or about to um, give him oral sex, and... (laughs) 
like how you said that so clinically about to give him some oral sex about to fillet him what's the exact wording it's like he's like come back soon and she's like don't come um, not, yeah, I can't remember the wording. You're right. Like, and I can't remember it because it's not as smooth as it thinks it is. No. But it's just ridiculous. It's just so yeah, so, so don't come on our Facebook page. <laughs> I don't know. If you really want to, go ahead. I mean, my brother, don't, don't, please. It could get messy. And now Facebook put in all these, like, rules about censorship. So I don't want to get banned. I don't think it would affect us, though. I don't know. Like, we're admins. That's true. We're so responsible don't. for content, Christine. You guys, stop it. Don't do it. Stop it, okay? There's places for that. Anyway. Like our Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, come on our Twitter all you want, bitch. <laughs> um, the f- f- at Feminine Podcast? Feminine yeah, podcast. search that, and like I'll tweet search back that to you. Do what you will with it. Yeah, and then there's an email, um, thefemininecritique at yahoo.com, but I'm going to tell you I'm bad at checking it. Uh, so. Ask him I, and then I think... So- I see that you, like, I can't tell if you checked it or not, so then I just, I'm like, I'm just not going to read it either. Okay, so I'm just going to start checking it primarily, and yes. I'll get better at it. If you want to email so, Christine, email at The Feminine Critique. Go go to the Facebook page, so primarily though. Primarily the best place to reach us is Facebook. And, um, yeah, and, you know, be our friends on Facebook if you'd like. That works. I'm Christine. I'm Emily. <laughs> All right, I guess that's it. <laughs> we'll be back soon with sharks and parrots. Woo! And Rachel Weiss. Mm. Goodbye. Bye. Happy New Year! Yeah, that too. When you're a skinny child of 14, wired with braces from ear to ear, you doubt that you could ever be appealing. Then, hallelujah, you are 15 and the braces disappear and your skin is smooth and clear. And you have that happy grown-up to be a woman the wait was well worthwhile how lovely to wear mascara and smile a woman's smile how lovely to have a figure that's round instead of flat whenever you hear boys whistle you're what they're whistling at it's wonderful to And stay.